Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to Nick's Mail Dot Bag, presented by the Strickland and by all of you on Patreon and by DraftKings, which we'll get to in a little bit. I am Alex Wolf. I'm the host here. I also host the Locked On Nick's podcast and am the editor and chief of the Strickland. I'm joined by my two cohorts. As always, we got Wackery Delizio. Mr. Zach Delizio, you might know him as at ZJ Delizio on Twitter. Zach, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm one, is cohort good or bad or neutral? Cohort, bad, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's neutral. I don't know about that one, Chief. I'll I'll, I'll figure this out while you figure out the rest of your introductions. <laughs> I don't know how much more there is to figure out as far as introductions, <laughs> but I will introduce the man known as Matt Weiss, otherwise known as Matt Weiss. Otherwise known as Wham Pierm on Twitter, Matt. How are you? Uh, smarter than Zach. <laughs> Do you want to define cohort for me, Webster? Uh, I think I think cohort's just like generally a group, normally with some goal in mind. It, mm. it is ge- it is often spoken with negative connotations, says the internet. Okay. Well, what if I called you guys my posse? Is that bad? <laughs> Throw that's a throwback. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a good one. We're a like, posse we're of cohorts over here. Oh, great. oh shit! <laughs> oh right. shit! All right, uh, let me give the the Patreon spiel real quick. This episode of Nick's Mail Bag is free for all, as ours always are. We should be getting on a more regular schedule now too. We're out of the summer when there just honestly was not a ton to talk about. Not a lot of people had mailbag questions, so we kind of took a good part of the summer off. But we're back. We're going to be on an every other week schedule now uh, with us and Drew Steele, who hosts the other mailbag, which is every other week. And that one is our Patreon mailbag, which you can get a free preview of on, on our regular feed, but otherwise need to be a Patreon patron. What else can you get for those? Well, for $3, you can just tell us you love us per month. For $6 a month, you can get access to that other Nick's mail.bag. You can get access to Friday Pod Strickland. In full, you can get access to the Strickland Discord, which is probably the greatest selling point 
of all of it. It is where some of the greatest Knicks discussions on the entire internet happen, as well as a bunch of nerdy crap and other sports and football and fantasy football gloating and all kinds of good stuff like that. Uh, and yeah, so that's a great option to get on for $6 per month. Or if you scale it up to $9 a month, you can get weekly articles from some of our featured writers, which now is going to be a little more of a rotating cast than it was last season. We'll have Jack Huntley, Matthew Miranda, and Jeff Rasmussen, who does a lot of our recaps writing special pieces. You also get access to the Stricken Roll podcast, which is Schwinn's other podcast that he does, typically bi-weekly. Uh, that you can get on there. So that's Schwinn's like solo pod. So definitely check us out on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash the Strickland. We have other tiers that let you do all kinds of other cool stuff, including guesting on a pod, hosting a pod, getting merch, uh, all kinds of great stuff like that. So definitely check it out. Patreon.com slash the Strickland. And without further ado, I think we can get into our questions here. So uh, I split this up as usual into like regular Nixie questions and then nerd questions and then after dark questions. Pretty, pretty uh, tame after dark segment today. So a little disappointed there, but the actually there's one pretty, pretty gnarly question in the after dark section. So are you lying to keep people listening until the end? Yeah. Very transparent. Yeah. There's like not a lot of after dark questions, but there's one that's an eyebrow razor. So keep, keep tuned for that one. Uh, but for now, we'll get into the regular questions, the more Knicks based ones. Uh, so first one comes from ZMP323 company man hater on our discord. This is, of course, our buddy Zach. Uh, Zach wants to know, how do you think Mitch's regain mobility and stamina will benefit the team this year? Uh, we obviously just saw his amazing preseason finale where he looked like a god among men, pretty much. Uh, Zach, what do you think? about Mitch's regained mobility and stamina this year? I mean, it's huge because this is the, – the thing with him always has been that it was always more of a projection than reality in part because he had that kind of – he had that mobility his rookie year and then it like just weirdly kind of disappeared. He was just like a normal big man. Like a second jump was still crazy. He's still freaky in a lot of ways, but it was like – it was special. And he kind of seems like he's got a little bit of that. I will say the stamina still needs a little bit of work. But it is preseason. It's always funny, man. It's just like you can always, like Mitch after six minutes, you can catch him putting his hands on his knees every time. And to be clear, I do not blame him. Uh, I would not be able to play six minutes of NBA basketball without putting my hands on my knees. Uh, But that's just, you know, something I think that will maybe come. But it's going to help a lot more defense, I feel like, right? Like that that's really the key. I actually okay, I just want to come out against the hands on the knees thing. I've always yeah. thought that's bullshit, and I feel like there's been like articles and studies and stuff about that. About like, does that do anything? Like it for some people it's just comfortable to be like that for a second. And then like it's you know, it helps you regain your breath faster and helps yeah, you. Yeah, but you're like, you're not doing it when you're two minutes into the game. No one's doing that. No, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I do that all the time, but sometimes I'll still have a lot left in the tank if I'm, like, playing pickup or something. I'll be hands on the knees every time I get the opportunity to. But then 
can pick it back up and play. Oh my god! Shut up, this on a podcast that hundreds of people listen to. I will fully admit to being fucking out of shape and whatever. Like, <laughs> I I play myself into shape every time I step on a basketball court. <laughs> every every single day. Pretty much every single time. <laughs> I, I have been trying to get back in the gym more now. I'm I'm, I'm like. I, I had well, a you're, bad... you're trying to ball like that. You gotta, you gotta get on the treadmill, baby, or in the swimming pool. That'll do it. Yeah, I've been, I've been doing the stairmaster and the exercise bikes on my knees. But swimming pool would be great. But my gym doesn't have one because I go to Planet Fitness because I'm poor. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I would go swimming all the time. I love swimming. Everyone donate to Alex so he can go. To yeah, pool. donate. <laughs> yeah, I'll start up a, I'll start up a GoFundMe so I can get a pool. <laughs> <Exactly. in> <laughs> Anyway, uh, Matt, what do you think about Mitch and and his increased mobility and everything? I'm going to be in mid-season form here and say I agree. With which part specifically? <laughs> All of it. Um, <laughs> I uh, I didn't get to see a bunch of preseason. I'm just going to be honest on the pod here because I was watching the team, the baseball team that I will not talk about. The other um, orange and blue team that doesn't exist anymore? Yeah, they just... It's so weird that they contracted them, but unfortunately, they're just not. It's weird that the baseball season ended on that day, too. At least for me, it did. Yeah, what happened? I don't understand. Anyway, um, so what I did see, read here, etc. Mitch looks like, you know, very springy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I agree with Zach that it's going to be a big boon for his defense because he's really the defensive anchor. Um, you know, Randall's defense is gar- garbage. So... Um, you know, I, I think Mitch has got to do a lot of work down there and, and if his, if his stamina is, is higher than it's been seemingly lately, his mobility is up, et cetera, like Zach said, like Zach Horney said, um, then, then I think that's going to just, you know, be great news for the team and for the defense, which was kind of down last year, uh, team wide. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with both of you guys. I think, um, I think we've seen. Like I just talked about this. I, I recorded like a, a solo locked on Knicks today that was talking, you know, I was talking mostly about Mitch because it was that was the big story of that Wizards game. And like he was up against his last three games. He was up against Miles Turner, who's really given him fits in the past. And he was up against Daniel Gafford, who like like last year, especially if I remember correctly, when Mitch was still like on the bulkier side at the beginning of the season, just like there was one early season Wizards game where Gafford just like ate his lunch, like over and over and over and over again. Um, and Mitch like thoroughly outplayed both of them. And honestly, like, especially with Gafford made Gafford look like a chump. Like Gafford was like owning the Knicks when Mitch wasn't on the floor. And the second that Mitch would step on the floor, Gafford was like completely yeah. possible. Gafford's legit too. Like, he's that's, really good. He's, he's a good player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like Gafford. So like, that's, that's not he's not just some like fluky dude that like just shows out against the Knicks. He probably puts his best performances on the Knicks cuz how many players do that? But like it, he's a legit, you know, defensive anchor NBA player, like great rebounder, all that good stuff. So like the fact that Mitch kind of conquered that demon was huge. I think like the big thing for me is that we're seeing that Mitch isn't getting abused on any switches really at least not so far. I don't think he's really, he was really like targeted at all throughout the preseason, but like the Knicks did a pretty good job of scheming drop for him. And then like, he's got that, that forward leaping ability now to make up for like, if he drops and a guard comes over and tries to take a jumper, he can like jump back up and, you know, get up to that guy and close out and, and manage to contest that shot again. Like he used to. 
Um, he's he looks great on his lobs. I mean, he's not quite like putting his head on the rim like he was when he was like a rookie, but that's okay. Like as long as he's getting up high enough to throw down with power, that's fine. Um, probably better for his knees and stuff in the long run anyway. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's getting up and not having, I mean, last year he was practically getting blocked by the rim a few times when he was trying to dunk when he was like, so muscle bound. So it's definitely better, uh, where he's at now. And then the stamina, I think is really good too. Like, you know, I, I think that he has looked like he's getting less tired and especially like in that last preseason game, he played like 30 minutes, which is probably about what we could expect from him during the regular season. And he looked great from start to finish. So. Yeah, I think that that's going to be everything for him, to be honest, because the skills are all clearly there. He's reeled in the fouls so well. You know, he's refined so many parts of his game that he does well that I think it can be nothing but good for him. But uh, do you guys have anything else to add on Mitch before we move to the next question? No. No. Okay. You agree? (laughs) Matt agrees. All right. Next question also comes to us from ZMP323 on the discord and pretty simple. How many games do the Knicks win this year? Matt, I'll throw it to you first. I'm going to say, okay. Remind me of exactly how many last year? 37, 37. They had last year. Yeah. I'm going to say 43. Okay. Cool. Any justification think, or you just, just got the, number? No, yeah, I was about to, I, I started saying, I think, and then you cut me off. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, I think that, that, uh, <clears throat> Tibbs is going to hamper the team a little bit, but probably not get fired until after the season's over, if at all. And uh, so basically, I imagine it's going to be basically running back the same team. Julius Randle should be, you know, I mean, he looked relatively better in preseason from what I could tell. Again, only saw a little bit, read some, listened to some, et cetera, et cetera. But um, RJ should be a little better. Brunson's going to be a huge upgrade. He looks amazing. And so... The reason I only have six wins is, number one, because I think there are just too many other good teams in the East, so they have to play a lot. And number two, that I think, you know, Tibbs is going to hold the team down. Yeah, I mean, that's actually interesting because I think if the Knicks end up winning 42 games, then that basically guarantees Tibbs is going to save his job because that's probably at least the play-in. And well, Sorry, you're right. I guess that kind of doesn't add up. I um, Well, I did say, in fairness to me, that he probably won't actually get fired after the season, even though he should be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of with you. I, I think what will end up happening. I mean, he'll probably end up if that's the case. And I kind of think that's going to be the case too. I I think I've got him at like, I was going to say 42. You, you said 43. That's right. So I was going to say 42 wins like 42 and 40. I think that's about where they'll end up. Like we saw during the preseason, even like they're not, like they look better for sure, but they're not immune to like still looking like a bad team sometimes. And that's going to happen. And Tibbs also, once he gets out of preseason mode and once he gets like, he always gets like more and more into his little like Tibbs cave throughout the season. (laughs) As as far as his like decisions go, like he turns into like, like (laughs) I'm, I'm thinking about Lord of the Rings too much after rings of power just ending, but he turns into like fucking, you know, Gollum, like with his, with his little ring and he like goes into his fucking dark cave and it's just like, I must start, you know, whoever like at the point guard and like nothing can change. Nothing, nothing. This is my precious lineup, my precious rotation. Um, So he's going to get like that at a certain point and it's going to be to the detriment of the team as it always is. Um, And I think what's going to ultimately happen, they'll do about that well this year. And if they're not showing improvement next year, 
then he might get like Mark Jackson where he gets fired and the Knicks find like the coach that can actually take them to another level rather than Tibbs. At least that's my hope, which is kind of always the plan with Tibbs. I feel like I think you're, I I think I see him getting fired around the also break next season, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be like if the Knicks are still just hovering around 500, right? Like they, they're going to improve again next year. I mean, you know, RJ take another step forward. Who knows what will be the deal with Randall, IQ, OB, et cetera. But, like, you know, you'd assume, let's say they win 42, 43 games like we suggested. They're going to be pegged to win at least 45 the next year, you know, at least as, like, a baseline because everyone just gets slightly better. And so if the team is, like, you know, three games under 500 in February, I think that's when they pull the trigger. And and leaving aside, too, that, like, they'll probably also – be in the mix for a star again next offseason when one right. becomes available and might right. potentially pull the trigger on another one. Um, or I should say on one period since they didn't do it with Mitchell this year. Uh, Zach, we didn't get your total yet, though. How many wins do you think? the? I was also going to say 42, actually. 42, yeah. So we're yeah. at 42 or 43, which I think is about what should be expected of this team. I mean, it's obvious yeah, that Brunson is a big enough upgrade, right? Like, Yeah, I, I, don't, I think the official over-under is like, 39 and a half. So I don't think we're actually going too crazy here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think based off the preseason, I know it's just preseason, but the starters, it's it's crazy the difference that having a competent point guard out there makes yeah. because, I mean, they, they actually look good. And last year, the starters was literally like, okay, time to get in a 12-point hole that the bench has to get the team out of. You know, like, and that was just every single game. And that's definitely not going to be the case this year, I don't think. So that alone should probably be worth at least two or three more wins, which we kind of all landed on this, I think, but it feels like all the non Brunson factors kind of wash out to say, you know, like you said, 39, 40. So it's really just how many wins is Brunson going to give them alone as an upgrade over what they had last year. And, you know, that might actually be underselling it from that point of view. Yeah. Compared to Kemba Walker, Brunson, yeah. like, worth like or you know, Burks, IQ, whatever. Like, yeah, I mean, hey, realistically, yeah. if you think about it that way, it probably should be more like forty-five. But I think, I think what we said is pretty reasonable. Hey, that's rude about Alec Burks. That's rude. Did you guys <laughs> see that with Mitch the other day? <laughs> yeah, I did. That was that was actually really funny. I love Mitch. I mean, I do want. It's so funny when you hear reporters ask questions like that. It's like, what do you expect him to say about a guy that he played with and obviously liked last year? Like. Oh, yeah, he was trash, man. Like, it's so much better having Brunson. Fucking Alec Burks, he sucks. Fucking bum. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I would love that, personally. It would Just be to... hilarious. Like, uh, if there was actual bad blood, someone might say something like that. But, like, they all loved Burks, obviously, and they probably felt bad for him that he got put in that role. So why would they be like, no, he sucked? It was like, <laughs> shut up. Anyway. All right, we'll move to our next question. Uh, this one comes, hey, look, Jalen Brunson. This is just who we were talking about, so perfect timing. Uh, this comes from G-Baked in our Discord, and he wants to know, Brunson has looked great this preseason. What's something about his game that is surprising? Uh, like that. Uh, Zach, I'll, I'll put that on you first. What do you, you think has been surprising about yeah, So Yeah, actually, I was going to talk. I was going to say Jalen Brunson first. Not because, like, <clears throat> well, excuse me. Sorry. This question is specifically about Jalen You're going to say Jalen Brunson for the Brunson Yeah, for <laughs> the question about Jalen. Imagine that. Uh, the thing is, with him, I think we all kind of, like, anyone who's watched him, even in the playoffs last year, like, you know what his game is. Um, there's, there's nothing to me that was surprising about that. I think he's been pretty much exactly as advertised. But I, I, what I misspoke about is that 
what surprised me is what you were just alluding to, which is that like the impact he can have on this team, even though he is considered and considered for good reason, he's not a pass first point guard. He's much more of a scorer. He's going to look for a shot. But even despite that, the the kind of impact he has on this team, just his presence on the floor is like, it really is a completely different dynamic. It feels like, you know what I mean? Even when he's just dribbling the ball of court, it's like, Oh, there's Jalen Brunson with the ball, not Alfred Payton, Albrecht's guys. You can ignore it's the type of thing where it draws the defense's attention. It seems to be paying off. Like RJ has been a lot. I mean, he's basically just sitting around getting good looks, right? Like it's really nice. And and this is a guy who's not ostensibly a pass first guy. It's just, it's really nice to have a point card really. Yeah. I would say I haven't really had anything super surprising about him either because he's sort of by nature unsurprising. And that's like the whole point. Right. Like, you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. Like the Knicks have gotten the exact player that they paid for so far. Um, I guess the only thing, and it was just, this would just be on me, like not having watched a ton of Mavericks to really get like an appreciation for this, but his ability, like off the ball is just perfection. Like, I think that's one of the biggest differences too, is that unlike, you know, Burks, Burks, actually, this is probably his one positive thing like his thing was he couldn't do the point guard stuff but he was good off ball because he was a wing he was not a point guard uh but like Alfred Payton and Kemba Walker if they didn't have the ball in their hands they were absolute dead weight on the court completely useless like Kemba was not willing to like cut or move like at all he would kind of just like wait for the ball again Alfred was completely useless because he couldn't make shots from anywhere on the floor so like he would space out to the corner three and teams would just be like okay well We'll just leave you over there. We're going to go send an extra defender into the paint to like strip your big man or whatever. Um, whereas with Brunson, like he's just, he has just such a, a perfect sense of like where to be on the court at all times. Like I, mm-hmm. I couldn't help but notice like in that, that wizards game, just like every time that there was a ball like loose that then wound up with, okay, someone has to make a split decision. It almost always went to Brunson because he was always where he had to be. Like, he was always either like in the corner waiting to take a corner three or back up at the top of the, you know, three point line being like, give me the ball. Let me like make a drive real quick or whatever, like, or just where even just somewhere to just space the floor and create space for his teammates again. Like he's always where he needs to be. And like, it, especially in transition too, he just like always either, you know, reads the situation, right. And makes a cut towards the hoop or he just kind of floats out to the corner and waits for someone to drive down the floor and then kick it out to him, which Fournier did at one point for a really nice three. Like that part of his game is just so well refined that like, I love that because Julius is still clearly going to handle the ball. Some RJ is clearly going to handle the ball. Some Fournier, I think has been really positive actually when he actually gets to run some actions on offense. And like, so he's going to handle the ball some with the starters there. And that just makes that skill from Brunson that much more useful. In addition to the fact that he can also, bring the ball down and really like organize the offense and everything. Um, but Matt, do you have anything to add to that? Any, any other Brunson things? Um, <clears throat> generally, obviously I agree with you guys are saying I, the thing I wanted to, I was thinking about rather was like, I kind of assumed that the other guys would take a bit longer to, to kind of get along with him, not in a, like they don't like each other way in a basketball playing way. A point guard who's going to call his own number and actually be good at it 
in ways that Kemba and Peyton weren't. Um, but everyone seemed very involved, including Randall, who I was really worried was going to pout. Just went out. What? Yeah. Yeah, you just went out in the middle of your sentence. Yeah, you Randall, Randall was going to pout, and then it stopped. Yeah, that was the end of my sentence. I just thought Randall was going to pout. Oh, that's oh. very like... I'm totally... <laughs> that was right. I was like, oh, he's gone. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I... Yeah, I was kind of confused. I was like, are they not hearing me? Because no one was saying anything. But no, yeah, the end of my sentence. I was just saying, I, I was worried that Randall was going to pout. And, you know, right. especially him. So it's nice that he's seen, from what I can tell, relatively evolved. And, you know, same with all the other guys. Like, I was just worried that it was going to be a lot of weird, like, everyone's watching Brunson run around with the ball. Well, that's why you had to get, like, a a bag Twitter guy. You know what I mean? Because, like, Julius Randle is 100% bag Twitter, who's calling people nerds for looking at advanced numbers Mm -hmm. and shit like that. So you got to, like, Jalen Brunson, everyone knows all the bag guys are into him. Rightfully, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But I was just like, that's, you got to lean into that and get someone like yeah. that. Instead of, uh, yeah. I don't know, some fucking like Tyus Jones or something, some plus minus God. Jalen Brunson is sort of like, he's sort of like the avatar of bag Twitter and analytics. <laughs> <Yeah, so right. laughs> he's the bridge between worlds. <laughs> exactly. ports, ports between analytics land and bag land all day. Yeah. He uses his bag to actually be efficient, unlike most bag guys that are like, Forty percent from the field, thirty-five percent from three. But it looks so pretty while he does it. Like Alonzo Trier's ears are ringing right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Also, I'm leaving that pause in. That was hilarious. I hope people find that as funny as I just found that. Uh, it did totally sound like you had something else to say. I, I, I mean, obviously, I, it obviously was me because you guys both thought I was <laughs> not. Yeah, <laughs> you, you just really ended with such a weird inflection. Yeah, I, yeah. I think because like <clears throat> I have a lot of. Um, not to get gross, but for some reason I have like a, a little bit of post nasal drip right now, so I'm like having trouble getting through my sentences because like I feel like I have to keep having to clear my throat. So that's what's going on. Well, that's <laughs> fucking gross, and I wish you had never shared that. Well, I did. It's too late. You big gross baby. All right, <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on to our next question. Uh, this comes to us from Jax three six five in the Discord. Uh, Jax wants to know. How good does it feel that RJ is getting to around 20 points a game for the preseason without him putting in too much effort? Uh, Matt, as the as the preseason expert, I'll throw this yeah. one to you. I am. I'm like like Zach is the draft expert. I'm the preseason expert. You are. You're um, a preseason expert. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, it's. I honestly did not fully realize because again, I'm like I'm not I'm not fully tuned in, but um, that's. Great news. I, I mean, if, if it feels like I think that's something I'd have to be have watched the games to to really understand. So, um, you know, just from like reading about it, I'm not seeing like, oh, RJ is not putting in too much effort. He's gonna, like, I'm sure that's true. But um, so all I can say is like, it, assuming that, that that is true, and I'll hear what you guys have to say about what Jack said, um, then that's that's great news because it did feel like last year, a lot of the times he would get, especially close to the end of the year, he'd get his 20 points, but it was like, he was basically killing himself to do it. So um, if he feels hopefully more comfortable, you know, not being the focal point of the offense and being the focal point of the defense, like literally having to run the team by himself because Randall was such a bed shitter and, you know, they didn't have a point guard. Um, that's going to be great news for his development. Zach, where, where are you at on our yeah. 
I mean, it's fantastic. This is kind of, I, I was saying this a lot in the last question and it was like, oh, that's the next question. Let me just kind of split this in two. Uh, it's fantastic. This is like really in a lot of ways uh, the next step for RJ. It's like being able to get 20 without even necessarily having to force anything, right? Like there, I mean, it depends how you look at forcing it, but I don't consider, you know, driving off a closeout, playing in transition, semi-transition, taking spot up threes, like, that's not really forcing anything. Uh, and, and we know a lot of what he's struggled with historically has been kind of the one-on-one shot creation in too high of a volume, right? Like, he could do it a little bit. Depends on the matchup. Depends on the night. But ideally, I think you want him to be easing into that. And I think that's really what this gives him the ability to do. And he's still putting up numbers. I mean, his shooting's been great. He's his, his the, the way he finds his spots has been great, which is a tough thing to do, uh, potentially, right? So, I mean, it's it's a fantastic thing. I love to see it. I just hope it continues. Yeah, I'm, I'm with both you guys. I mean, I certainly, I love the idea of RJ having everything come easy to him. I think that I've noticed too, and I've noted this on like Locked on Knicks a couple times that like, he and Brunson play sort of similar to one another too, where neither is particularly vertical. They both just kind of like have their things that they do well and they do them. And like RJ has really gotten good at his stuff, which is like being able to get into the paint, uh, being able to draw fouls. He's getting better at finishing through contact um, and just finishing in general. The three point shot is probably the biggest thing where like, it looks so good. Like he shot 50% on 24 attempts in the preseason. And that's awesome. Like 50%. I don't expect him to do that the whole season, but if he even does like 39% throughout the whole season, that's awesome for him because it, the team is constructed in such a way now where, he, you know, we've talked for years about like, does RJ need a, a uh, step back three or a pull up three or whatever. And like conventional wisdom would say yes, but with the way this team is constructed with, you know, he and Brunson and Fournier and even Randall to a degree able to sort of get inside and create something and kick out to shooters. Like if he just shoots standstill threes all year, but then uses his, you know, on ball reps to like, you know, just break down guys, run, pick and roll, get inside, draw fouls, finish inside, maybe do the occasional pull up, you know, midi like he's done a couple times during the preseason. And that allows him then by not having to take like pull up or step back threes to then like shoot 40% again then that's awesome to me. And I, you know, I think that'll make his life a lot easier. I think a lot of that, you know, that's what's made things easier on him on Randall. It's been a lot of what Brunson's bringing, which is just the ability to find people on the outside to initiate the offense and get it going in a positive direction without it ever having to touch one of RJ or Julius's hands and then letting them just kind of do the things that they do best, which for both of them during the preseason, they were both really great spot-up three-point shooters, even though Julius had a, a little bit of a tough final game. like He generally throughout the preseason was shooting pretty good on his spot-up threes. So, um, yeah, I think that's the big thing for me with RJ there. Uh, I should probably real quick make sure to tell everybody about DraftKings Sportsbook before we get on to our next question. So, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. And, of course, I mean, if you want to bet on the Knicks, they're going to face Memphis. Apparently, Memphis's home crowd not necessarily showing out. I think I saw that they have uh, tickets available for like $8 for the opening night of the NBA season, which is not promising. So maybe there won't be a huge home court advantage there. Maybe the Knicks will be able to steal one on the road to open the season. Uh, maybe go bet on the Knicks real quick, especially because they'll probably be fairly heavy underdogs. I haven't looked at the at the line yet, but if they're anything within like five points, I'd probably go for it. Uh, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, guys, we're moving to our next question here. And these ones, I pulled a few that I think maybe got asked during... uh, during Drew's mailbag that he did, but I don't care. I like these questions and I wanted to answer them for us. So I'm going to do it. I don't care who they were meant for. Uh, Bomber BCM in the discord wants to know, are NBA minimal minimalist style jerseys, the worst Jersey era. Uh, how, how passionate are you guys about jerseys or should I just riff on this real quick? This is all you. I don't own a single basketball Jersey. Okay. Zach, how you feeling? Zach does does not care. He is actually departed. Zach, I was really saying I don't care why I muted. That's okay. Yes, I don't. No, I don't give a shit. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So, I think minimalist style jerseys can be cool if you do them right. But I would generally agree that I think that minimalist has been stupid and like I don't know. I don't understand like the Knicks, for example, play in New York City, like there's such a rich culture of like art and, you know, pushing boundaries and stuff in the city. And there's so many different things you could draw from to make a cool Jersey. And yet like the Knicks statement, quote unquote edition Jersey for the last ever, ever since Nike took over has literally just been a small variation of their regular Jersey. Like first it was the one where they literally just took the home Jersey and then put like thin, uh, pinstripes around the numbers and we're like, this is a statement. It's like, yeah, the statement is you're fucking lazy. Uh, you don't care to design a cool Jersey. So you just like made it look slightly different. Um, then the next one was the, uh, the, my, as I would call them the Florida Gators jerseys, which were the ones that were blue with the, the, uh, white numbers with the orange outline. They look like it literally looked like Florida Gators fucking college uniforms. Um, I was never a huge fan of those. And then now we get this year, probably their best one, which is such a low bar to clear, but they literally were like, Oh, maybe we'll do like a slightly different color scheme and put the Navy on it, which I've liked the things that the Knicks have done with Navy so far, like the city edition jerseys a couple years ago, but it's literally just their regular Jersey, except for it's Navy. And it's got like all orange lettering with like a very lightly visible lighter blue outline. Just, super lazy and you know that all falls under like minimalist 
And, you know, then we even see like this year, I know some people liked it. I think it's really stupid. Like the Phoenix Suns had the very cool, like the Valley Jersey for a couple years and everybody loved that Jersey. And then they replaced that this year with that teal monstrosity that they decided to bring out, which is like this teal Jersey with just like a black Suns logo on it. And like a little bit of like sort of uh, Arizona, New Mexico style, like coloring along the side. Just really stupid. I don't. I don't like them. I am all for. I don't understand why the NBA has not been retroing like the '90s to 2000s jerseys. Like that's very much like like 2000s fashion is like very much making a comeback right now. I don't know why the NBA isn't jumping on that train and being like, "Yo, let's like redo some of these like '90s and 2000s jerseys a little bit and remarket them." They kind of sort of did it with the Knicks City Edition jersey last year, but did like the bare minimum. And now this year, if the leak of what their city edition jersey is going to look like is any indication, it's just going to look like shit again. Uh, so, yeah, I I hate, 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 hate the jerseys since Nike's taken over. And that goes across all sports. Like the worst thing to happen to sports fans that enjoy jerseys was Nike monopolizing every single team in all of North American sports. Like except for I don't think they have hockey yet, but that's like the last holdout, but they have baseball, football, and basketball, and they've gotten so fucking lazy and their jerseys are terrible. So yeah, Jay or, uh, uh, Jake's the next question. Uh, uh, bomber BCM hundred percent agree. These are the worst, uh, worst jerseys. And, oh, I forgot to read the parenthetical that went with that, which was for all the jokes of the nineties, two thousands cartoon jerseys got, at least they were fun. These bland jerseys scream insecurity and fandom shame. Yes, absolutely. 100% agree. Uh, but rant over. Hopefully I did justice to that because, yeah, the state of affairs for jerseys is terrible right now. Uh, so our next question comes to us from Jake Andrews in the Discord. And Jake says, last year I asked this and you got them all wrong. So this year do better. This is aimed directly at us because this is for our mailbag last year. Uh, also change it from one to one and a half for all-star game and rising stars. So Jake wants to know Knicks predictions for the Knicks only MVP defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, most of, <laughs> rookie of the year. That's a joke. There is no rookie of the year. <laughs> Trevor Keels ain't doing shit. Trevor Keels by default. Uh, most improved players, six man uh, over under of one and a half Knicks making the all-star game over under of one and a half Knicks making the rising stars game. So, uh, who wants to take that first? Who's who's got a compelling thing here? Uh, I mean, MVP has to be Brunson, right? Yeah, I agree. I was gonna say Brunson. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I'm gonna go RJ. I'm gonna say RJ. I'm gonna yeah. go shut the fuck up. Well, fine, <laughs> you could do that all you want, but I'm saying it's RJ. I bet you RJ is gonna average like 23, 24 points a game. He will be like Brunson will be the story in that he is directing the Knicks and he's finally the point guard that the Knicks have needed in forever. But RJ is going to like cross that, like, like stardom plateau. And I see, I have RJ for obvious most improved. Yeah. It's possible. I actually think most improved might be Brunson. Oh, that's hard to do when he wasn't on the team last year. It's also hard to do when he literally dicked a team out of the playoffs last year. I mean, I think, I think that Brunson is going to get straight up the NBA most improved player award, but um, that could happen. I, I know there have been jokes about this, but it would be very funny if Randall got it again because he was good again this year. 
<laughs> yeah, but like his counting <laughs> stats. Shit, and then back up to win most. Of no, the yeah, game. he could. You're right, Alex. He couldn't actually do it because the counting stats looked, looked fine last year. But it would just be very funny. It would be very funny if Randall just like every other year wins NBA M- MIP until the yeah. end of time. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so we're a little split on MVP. We're a little split on MIP. Where are we at on DPOY? I feel like this is going to be a consensus. Mitch. Obviously, Mitch. A, a thousand percent it's Mitch. How was it? Wait, how did we not say that last year? We definitely said that last year, too. So who else would it have been last year? It's still Mitch. It's yeah, just listen, I, I love Jake. He likes to be combative with us. We don't. Who knows if we? I believe we said Mitch last year. We'll have to go back to take. We're gonna have to do like those. What's uh? Is it like an insurance company that has those? Wait, throwing the flag. We have to be like we're throwing the red flag. We're gonna go back. Flashback. We might have said RJ. It's possible someone said RJ. RJ was RJ was going on about wanting to guard the other team's best player. Yeah, I I vaguely remember that. I feel like here's what I'm kind of remembering, and I have no idea if this is right, but it just sounds right to me. We were saying probably Mitch, but like we all then were like, well, let's pick someone other than Mitch. It's so obvious. And we were kind of like, well, you know, it could be RJ. who was really good on defense last year. He's wanted to now he's going to be guarding the top guy with uh, Reggie Bullock gone. And uh, well, if that was the case, then we were right. Just for the record, because like who else would have been if you ignore Mitch, who else would it have been? RJ's defense was not great last year. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't bad. It 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 wasn't as good as as. The previous season, I would no, say probably Grimes was the most impactful. He didn't play enough, other than other than Mitch. Yeah, but I'm saying like who made the most of his minutes on the floor, and maybe like you could say even is though they didn't play the a player of the year for who makes the most of their minutes on the floor, Alex, or is it yeah, the it was... defensive player of the year, Alex? I mean, it's tough because the rest of the players were so ass on defense. That's what I'm saying, though. That doesn't matter. That's not the point. This is the defensive player of the year for next. Anyway, it's Mitch. We yeah, all know yeah. it's Mitch. It, it was it, in the end, even with how much he struggled last year, it was still Mitch. And we definitely said Mitch, but then, like, if we said anything else, I'm like, I'm with you, Matt. It was probably just us being like, just yeah. to play devil's advocate, what's one yeah. other name we could throw out there? This year, we won't do that. So Jake can't throw in our faces again. So <laughs> uh, we're just going to say Mitch because it's going to be Mitch. Uh, rookie of the year, Trevor Keels by the fall. Literally, Trevor Keels. Yeah. Has to be. Because, like, <laughs> like, Montero didn't make one of the one of the uh, other slots and there's no other rookies. So, yep. I guess it's Trevor Keels, although that's a woo. Talk about a low bar. Uh, we already talked about most improved. Who's going to be six man quick, quickly. Right. I mean, has to be I quickly. think it's, I think it's gotta be quickly or uh, maybe Obi though. Um, could be, I'll, t- I'll mm, I'm going I Obi. Think, I don't, I mean, I, yeah, just won't get the quickly. I'm going to say it quickly, but, but Obi is obviously our. I shouldn't have said it has to be. I just kind of forgot about Obi. Obi's gonna have like his most bonkers per thirty six numbers this year of his career. It's gonna yeah. be like it's gonna be like like thirty two points per thirty six or something. I guess I'm also kind of just hoping that like Randall's not on the team anymore in a few months, and then Obi's starting so quickly kind of gets it by default. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see how that goes too, but. If if the team remains how it is all season, I think it's I think it's Obi. Um, so we got what was that two quickly's one Obi or Zach? Where did you land on that? Uh, I'll go quickly. Just quickly. Like, yeah. All right, two quickly's and an Obi. Well, let's keep score this year so we can revisit this with Jake next year. Uh, so over under of one and a half Knicks makes the All Star game under definitely mm, max under. of one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Max will be either Brunson or RJ. Exactly. Yeah, it's not yep. going to be both. Unless the Knicks are somehow like have like 
38 wins by the all-star break or something. Right. Yeah, not just, going to happen. You don't like two, two players from a team. You've got to be like a, a top three team in the conference. I feel like, especially if you got to fight the uphill battle of a being the Knicks, which yeah. everybody outside yeah. New York hates. Yeah. And they would definitely be coming in as like bench players. And then be like just the, the overall of like, they're not multi-time all-stars. So they're not going to be like shoe ins. Like they would both be full first time all-stars that just like, that doesn't usually happen to guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, if these were bigger, like if this, I know this is like, a, you can't really do this because it's a different sport, but like if you had, you know, nine, technically even 10 stars, like in baseball, I would say Brunson would get such a New York bump that he'd probably just be elected. But like, there are too many good guards and that are better than Brunson in, in the Eastern conference for him to get elected. Yeah. And it's also as just a starter, like, as a starter. And, and, like without that win support too, it's also like they don't have that name recognition of like, like LeBron and Anthony Davis or something. Where like right. even if the Lakers are like ass by All Star time, if they've both been healthy all year, they'll probably both be All Stars. Well, basically. that's the other thing. Like Kyrie, even if he sucks, is going to probably get the most votes among guards because like people well, he's still got the QAnon. He's got the QAnon vote. So well, <laughs> yeah, but he also just has like. People who just like don't really think about it are just like, oh, Kyrie Irving, I know that guy. Click. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but even even for the coach based stuff, like again, unless they're like so transcendent and the Knicks as a team are so good, like they're not going to vote two guys in. So, uh, so that was easy. Uh, and then over under of one and a half, Knicks makes the Rising Stars game. I'm going to go under with that too. I think it'll only be Grimes. I don't even know who else is eligible besides yeah. Grimes. Quickly and Grimes. will be aged out. Grimes, McBride, oh, Sims, yeah. and uh, yeah, no. Keels. No, so. yeah, right. I, I mean, that it's obviously just. I think Grimes will definitely make it, especially because he didn't last year. But it'll be just Grimes. Yeah, that's gonna be it. I, I, there's no way that any of the other guys get enough playing time to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Sims is out of the rotation. McBride has never been in the rotation. Keels is not gonna even be active. So. McBride, I guess the only way that I could see it happening for him is if if Rose gets hurt early in the season. McBride was definitely taking the minutes that Rose was not playing during the preseason. Yeah. So that would be the only way. And and if McBride is like really crushing it in whatever minutes he gets, if that were to happen, then maybe he gets a spot. But the the Rising Stars game has always been very anti Knicks as well. Like I feel like there have been plenty of good deserving Knicks that have never made that game. I mean, literally last year. Quickly Grimes. and Grimes didn't make it. Yeah, which is just Wait, how does Quickly not make the Rising Stars game? <laughs> yeah, when he was he was so good for two years. Like I don't think yeah. he made it either year. Which no, is, did he make it rookie year? Did he? I don't know. I could Hold be on. wrong. I'm gonna look while Zach is talking since he hasn't answered this. Yeah, Zach, what do you think? I have nothing to add. Yeah, I didn't think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, Whatever. Get- do you want me to invent a rookie or <laughs> try to gaslight everyone here? <laughs> Let me choose that because I have the roster up. All right. Um, We're waiting. We got another question coming. Come on. Barrett. This is 21. Wait. Oh, no, that's right. What I'm remembering is also Obi didn't make it in, in their rookie year. Yeah. So just RJ was on the team. And then last year was just Obi, I think. Yeah, I think that is right. Anyway, whatever. Okay. Whatever. Anyway. All right. Moving on. We got some Twitter questions. Uh, this one comes from Baby Yoda Waffles at Baby Yoda Waffles on on Twitter. Uh, the fuck, I didn't read this ahead of time. Will D Rose find out I Heart? Uh, meaning Isaiah Hartenstein is black this season. I, I don't understand. I, don't, I think it's. I don't feel comfortable answering that. 
Well, yeah. I, really, I don't get it. <laughs> what? I, I guess because, like, I I have no idea. No? <laughs> We're going to go with no. Um, <laughs> all right. We're all white is what I'm going to say. <laughs> We're white, and so is Hartenstein, and Derek Rose is black, and we feel not comfortable commenting on this so we're gonna leave that go uh all right next question uh damn probably could have switched these uh, switched this one into the uh nerd section but i didn't whatever all right we're getting to it before the nerd section if you can save only one entry of every trilogy are you picking movie one two or three uh baby yoda waffle says he picks uh, says they pick two uh meaning like empire strikes back uh, Judgment Day, Terminator, uh, Bogus Journey for Bill and Ted. I'm also going to say just generally movie two is the best. So I also go movie two. What do you guys think? No, this is wrong. Movie one is the best. And here's the reason. I knew Zach. Oh. Yeah. The whole thing is if there was a movie two, it's because movie one was good. That's not necessarily true. Look no, at like Lord of the Rings. There's always going to be three. more consistent than the sequels being better than the originals. Think about this. Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, even Harry Potter, the first one was good. It's not as good as the other ones. But well, you can't good. do Harry Potter series. It's not a trilogy. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, trilogy. Okay, fine. Lord of the Rings, first one. Star Wars, first one. I guess you also technically can't do pirates anymore either. Like yeah, pirates pirate. is way more. Oh, like, there's like five. Oh, oh, whatever. I can't. The name trilogy. Terminator. Terminator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Terminator is like eight movies now. No, nothing's a trilogy anymore because they milked that shit till the end. <laughs> till, till the end of everything. Existence. We're fade to black. But I stand by one. Matrix one. By far. The yeah. OP. Yeah. It, oh, this is always how it goes. If it was good, then it may get a sequel. The ones that are not good don't get a sequel. And the sequels are not necessarily good. I'm going to just... Partially because why not? But partially because I'm thinking about this in terms of Marvel movies. I'm going to say three because um, the Marvel trilogies. The third movie is actually usually the best one. Uh, well, Winter Soldier better than Civil War. But Civil War is good enough, and I'm okay giving up Winter Soldier. Ragnarok. Um, I'm going to just pretend Age of Ultron doesn't exist for purposes oh, of this. Okay. Um, Infinity War. Did they just have a fourth Thor movie? Isn't that four? Yeah, but again, we're like we're making the rules here. Um, okay, Iron Man three, actually really good. Um, and we haven't had Guardians three yet, but that'll probably be good. Uh, so you're Spider-Man, doing Return of Home, Return of the Jedi, Return of the King. Yeah, the Return of the, uh, yeah, I was going to get there. Return of the Jedi, Return of the King, both both solid. I mean, Return of Return of the Jedi is definitely the worst of the original trilogy, but um, yeah. Return of the King is. Probably the best of, of those three. I um, think that was the best of those three too. Yeah. And uh, um, No Way Home, Spider Man, definitely the best of those three. Um, there was another one I was just thinking of. Uh, well, whatever, you get the gist. Oh, that also means you're taking Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, uh, you do get Revenge of the Sith. So yeah, but I'm also the Re- Re- Revenge of the Sith is definitely the choice among the prequels. Well, that's what I'm saying. You get that, but yeah, you, yeah whatever. I just won't. I just won't. I don't just, I just won't watch Rise of Skywalker. Like, yeah, it sucks to lose Last Jedi, but it's not that, you know, elsewhere. I'm still going to stand by movie two. And, Zach, I sort of got what you were saying, too, but I'm also assuming, like, my memory doesn't get wiped of, like, knowing what was in the first movie. Um, 
Well, in I, which case, I, I generally just have enjoyed a lot of movie twos. Matt, you made a good point about the Marvel movies, though. Like, eh, there are a decent amount of stinkers on the the second entry of Marvel. Yeah, the only good second, well, at least among the three, like you cap Iron Man, Thor. The only good second movie among those three that's not even like miserably awful is Winter Soldier. Yeah, and then Age of Ultron is number two for the Avengers, like. Which means if I take number three, then that includes Infinity War. But right. like, are we are we lumping Infinity War and Endgame together? Since I mean, I think we can. I, I said it weird when I was talking about them before, but I think I think if you just call Infinity War and Endgame one movie, like that's the obvious. What can you possibly call that one movie? Yeah, there are two. They're a two part movie. There are, no, they're two movies. They are literally right. two. It's still Infinity War. You just take out Endgame. You lop it off the end. Right. It's still Infinity. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Yeah. They're literally two movies. This is not a metaphor. They are literally two movies. There, there is a world where and you know what? You know what? I think you swayed me. I'm going movie three just Hell for, yeah. infin- just for Infinity War. I did a little bitch. Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Just, just for Infinity War and Ragnarok. And you're right. Like Civil War is good enough that yeah, and and you get Return of the King. Return of the King is fucking amazing. I love Two Towers too. But Return of the King definitely better. Uh, at least to me. Um, Unfortunately, that means I, I, I also have to live a... with Rise of Skywalker instead of yeah. Last Jedi, but whatever. But if you're going to take a trio of Star Wars movies, I actually, I mean, well, no, you definitely you definitely just accept Attack of the Clones and take, if yeah. you get both Empire yeah. and Last yeah. Jedi, but, but like, it's, a, it's an okay pick to say you'll you'll take Return of the Jedi, uh, Revenge of the Sith, and, and Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. Revenge of the Sith is definitely the only, like, pretty watchable one out of the originals, yeah. so... Or out of the prequel trilogy, I guess I should call it. Uh, all right. Well, that ends that. Out of out of turn, the the nerdy <laughs> question. But we'll get back to the Knicks stuff now. Uh, also from Baby Yoda Waffles, what percentage of Brunson tampering was done through the Archer Diacono burner? Has there been a Ryan Archer Diacono yeah, I don't know what this is. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't I, know what this is. What is this referencing? I'm not on Twitter enough to understand this anymore. I'm such a fucking yeah, same. Uh, Sorry, Baby Yoda Waffles. We're going to go with yes. All of the business was done through Archie Diakono's burner. Uh, last question for Baby Yoda Waffles. Julius for Dre? Question mark. Uh, no. Fuck Trey Mongo. Yeah, Are you kidding me? That, <laughs> I, I mean, the Warriors obviously wouldn't do it, but, you know, ugh, I don't want to do it. You know that. what's funny? I actually offered that trade in um, our Locked on NBA mock draft at one point. I think I offered it was like, I asked the dude that does the Warriors pod. I was like, hey, would you do like whatever they had like the 30th pick or whatever this year? I was like, would you do 30 and Draymond for Julius Randle? And he was like, if Draymond wasn't literally like one of the heart and souls of the team, I would. But I'm trying to do this in terms of like what the GM might actually do. And there's no fucking way they would do it. Yeah, I'm like. I wonder if that trade was on the table if they knew it was going to happen with Draymond fucking cold clocking Jordan Poole <laughs> like a week before they were going to hand him a $150 million contract extension. Yeah. If, uh, that would if be like were. if he, yeah, that would be kind of like if he hit RJ a few weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. The next, yeah. It's like if he hit like RJ or fucking Brunson, like anybody like that. Like that's pretty Brunson funny. would be insane. <laughs> they, they just signed this guy to a giant contract when he punches him. Yeah, that would, I mean, I feel like because of the Knicks media market, too, there wouldn't be tons of excuses made up for the Knicks, and Julius would just get driven out of town yeah. by the media and everything, yeah. too. Uh, um, can we back up to the, the previous question for a sec? Yeah. Um, 
It's very funny that we have not heard a peep about the Brunson tampering shit in like two months. Yeah, because and it was funny. Fun. I mean, funny. I mean, not surprising at all because it was always bullshit. Yeah, it was always bullshit. Like you can't, you can't police how a, a father and son talk, or if like I mean, Leon Rose and Jalen Brunson actually have a relationship like that dates back like twenty years. You know, like as a not blood family, but like like chosen family. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and who's like who is that hurting? I, I don't know. And I mean, it's stupid. The Mavericks, like they had their shot and they blew it. That's the all. Ul- the ultimate thing that it comes down to, to me in the end is that the Mavericks offered him $7 million a year less than the Knicks did. And that in and of itself should automatically say there was no tampering. Right. Like there was no tampering. You know, it's he, he wanted to test the open market, which is what he did anyway. Like what he was going to do anyway, when he didn't accept the, the con that low ball contract extension that they offered him. And so then he said, I'm going to test the market. And he stayed steadfast that hit the market. And then regardless if the Knicks talked to him beforehand or not, he took the meeting because it's his literal family. And then they offered him far and away more money. So like, what, why are you trying to fucking police how much money he got? Stupid. Uh, All right. I think we can move to our next question. So, but thank you, baby Yoda waffles. Even if the first one was a little uncomfortable, Uh, (laughs) Jordan bub from Twitter at bub Jordan. Jordan asked us a, bunch of questions we picked some of our favorites because honestly we didn't have enough time to get to all of them so sorry jordan uh we appreciate the enthusiasm but there was literally like 17 questions so we've pared it down to three basketball ones and one non-basketball one in our next segment uh jordan wants to know what are three interesting observations you each had about preseason that you think will be a factor in the regular season this year for the knicks i'm gonna say let's just do one each that makes three total i I think that's good enough uh zach do you want to go first uh no, no. <laughs> too bad you're um, going first sure okay uh well so we decided we're gonna do one each right one each correct that's what okay, i just so said. um my interesting <laughs> you know i i kind of got these all mixed up now hold on let me think for a second someone else go someone else go i'll Matt, go. go i'll go um so this is you know just kind of again from what i've gained for osmosis but uh mitch and rj's free throw shooting seems like Pretty chef's kiss in the mm-hmm. preseason. Um, they look, and not just like they're making them, like just looks better, right? So, yeah. um, so that's that's pretty great news. I mean, if if Mitch can just be, I don't know, what's he normally like, freaking forty percent? Like if he could be, you know, even a coin flip, that would be yeah. a huge help. And RJ, like he, we know he's a good shooter. It's that's totally a mental thing for him. So if he can just get that up to like what you'd expect from a shooter of his caliber, which would you know what? Maybe seventy-five, eighty percent. Like yes. that's yeah. That's that's really good. Totally, I agree. I think that's um, a great gonna, observation. Thank you. First, because I uh, I don't have a backup, so I need you to not say the same thing I do. Wait, but, you told me that you gave me that one. What? You weren't supposed no, to reveal no, that. No, no. I, I thought Zach was. Yeah, <laughs> well, now I have. I thought Zach was saying that he didn't want to go first because he got confused. Like he was like, I can't think of one other than the one you gave no, me. No, no, no. I, I was just. I was trying. I, I was. I had like five or four, and they were all gone. Like when you put me on the spot, like it just doesn't go well. I uh, love that you guys just revealed that Zach yeah. <laughs> showed you his homework before and was like, "Here, just take this answer." Well, okay, no, I'll just inside baseball this. I'll just fully inside baseball this for. Yeah. Wait, that's that's hilarious because also now now you go back and listen to me fake 
being like, oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and Alex uh, kind of did give it away winkingly when he was like, that's a really great observation, Matt. Um, <laughs> he would never say that. He would never say that. Uh, I always say that. <laughs> so I, I, uh, because I have not been able to to actually watch the games um, because of the blue and orange team that doesn't exist anymore. I really just did not have one. So Zach was like, well, you know, have you seen anything about, about mission largest free throw shooting? And I was like, Oh yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll do that. And then, so that's, that's how it happened. And Zach told me it's a little smooth, which I did not. I wanted to kind of get my own spin, but uh, yeah. So sorry. I didn't really have an answer and Zach gave it to me. And now you guys all know, cause I misunderstood him. I take it back. That was a terrible observation. Anyway, this is a fucking clown show over here. Jesus Zach, now that you've had some time to think, what is your unstealable observation? <laughs> uh, Julius Randle, uh, I-, I won't say he always looked good because there were times where it wasn't great. Uh, and there were definitely some times where you could see his instinct is going back to isolation basketball, one of one, slowing the ball down. Shit like that. But on the aggregate, I thought he played in a way that indicated to me that he seems to be very aware that he cannot play like he did last season. Right? Like he was he seemed to be playing in such a way where the extra pass was being made more often than not. The ball wasn't really stopping. He was, you know, ma- just making the right play uh with a hint towards actually making a pass, right? Instead of taking the shot. Um, which I think is really encouraging because, you know, that, that type of thing is going to take time. He's been playing a particular way for two years, right? Well, two, three, depending on how you look at it. Um, getting that out of someone's system is not easy. It's not going to be overnight. And that's why I think people were kind of – I think it's kind of silly to get on him for that, in, especially in preseason. Um, but I think what he tried to do clearly indicates to me that he at least – for now, understands that he cannot continue to play this way with the presence of Jalen Brunson. Well, I'll sort of piggyback on that in a way okay. and say this is this is not an overreaction. I'm not, you know, lighting the beacons or anything here. This is just something that I noticed in preseason that I hope is an aberration rather than a trend. But one interesting observation that I had is that the bench does not look very cohesive at the moment, Um, which is weird because the starters do look cohesive. And I think the starters have been very pleasant basketball to watch, Julius Randle included. You know, they're they're screening for each other all the time. They're, you know, setting up good looks for one another. They're running, you know, they're letting different guys run actions. Like some of my favorite stuff in the Wizards game was Evan Fournier running side pick and roll with Mitch with, Brunson, Randall, and RJ spacing the floor on the other side of the floor. Like, that was just, like, great modern basketball and good utilization of a guy that, like, the other team, you know, and a guy in Evan Fournier that the other team is probably looking at is, like, oh, he's the lesser of five evils on the floor right now. Like, let's throw our weakest defender on him or whatever. And he burned the shit out of that. And, you know, he and Mitch were great. And, you know, that was just like one little wrinkle that they threw out there. And there's so many other ones that came as a result of having Brunson, of them running the floor more, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, like outside of Obi and his occasional spurt, well, I shouldn't say occasional, all but probably the last game, I guess. Like Obi looked really, really good, especially that first game against Indy where he was like God mode. 
Um, but other than Obi, like the rest of the bench, it's been a little, a little rocky to me. Like IQ has not looked like the guy at the end of last season that had us all saying like, of course he's a point guard, you idiot. Like he can find everybody else. And he was doing a really good job breaking down the D and finding his teammates and blah, blah, blah. Like that, that was not super present. Um, he was looking for his own shot a lot. That wasn't great. Uh, Cam Reddish, I think basically played himself out of the NBA this preseason. <laughs> um, if not close to it. Uh, and then like Hartenstein was very hit or miss. Like I, I was worried about his fouling tendencies before he came to the Knicks. And I'm no less worried about that now. Like, I think he's going to really struggle to stay on the floor for even like 15 minutes some nights. Um, Cause he was just, I mean, he's just a straight up foul machine when he really gets into that sort of mode. Um, Rose, you know, only played so sparingly that I still feel like, like they were trying to save his legs, but I feel like he's still very rusty at this point. Grimes obviously is rusty. You know, it's there's a little bit to think about with that bench unit. Uh, so I hope that they, you know, again, I hope it's an aberration. I hope that it's just a, a combination of all those factors I just mentioned, you know, regarding health of some guys and some guys getting into the flow. Hartenstein's obviously new to the team, all that good stuff. But we'll see how that progresses. But it's been interesting development seeing the flip flop of the, the bench not being the unit that everybody is necessarily like just kind of sitting there suffering through the starters to get to at this point it's sort of the opposite and like most nba teams where the starters are the best unit actually and the bench has had a couple issues so far so we'll see how that progresses um but we'll go to our next question from jordan bub here would you rather rj barrett be an all-star or julius randall be a top five candidate for mvp for the season uh this was pretty easy to me Julius Randle be a top five candidate for MVP. I mean, I feel like if if the Knicks have a top five candidate for MVP, that's kind of yeah. like the end all be all, right? Like that's yeah. awesome <laughs> for sure. Like what? Because if they have an MVP candidate, you're talking like close to fifty wins, right? You would hope so. If not, yeah, then everybody else sucks. Like, it could be dog shit. Yeah. I mean, that would make me revisit Jake Andrews' question, too, and say more than one all-star on the team as well. <laughs> but, like, I mean, I guess this assumes that then RJ wouldn't be an all-star, which that would suck if Randall was that good, but RJ couldn't find a way to still be an all-star. Maybe Brunson is, and RJ gets snubbed. Maybe, you know, RJ becomes, like, the uh, CJ McCollum, or who is it? Did Bradley Beal get snubbed for a couple years before he finally broke through? I'm trying to think, like, who I'm the... Sure those like standard like snub guys were for a while. Mike Conley, you know, whatever. Maybe RJ becomes that. But yeah, obviously Julius Randle being a top five MVP candidate. Any player on the Knicks becoming a top five MVP candidate is the preferred outcome. Because the reality is they have Julius locked up for like four more years too. It's not like he's going to hit free agency this year. So yeah, screw it. That's awesome. I'll take that all day. All freaking day. Uh, Do you guys have any other additions to that? Matt? No. No, no. Okay. We all agree. All right. Next next question from Jordan Bub at Bub Jordan on Twitter. Uh, what are the top five assets the Knicks have coming into the season? Uh, we could each give our top five, and out of those five, who improved their trade value the most? Let's just try to come to a consensus. Yeah. And, and let's assume that this only includes players on the team, not upcoming picks. 
Yeah, the picks make it too confusing. That, that gets messy. Gavin and I yeah. usually do that before every season, and like it's an interesting exercise, but it's so hard to wait a pick versus a player. I feel like they're totally separate. So um, I would say number one, other than the fact that his contract makes it hard to – like his impending extension makes it hard to trade him now, I would say number one is RJ. Am I wrong? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, he was the guy that was talked about apparently most in Mitchell trades. And the second that he got extended, all of a sudden that trade talk died for the Knicks and he was a yeah. calf by three days right. later. So yeah. obviously he's the dude. Um, uh, am I bugging? If I Am I overreacting the preseason if I say that I almost want to put Mitch at number two again? Mm, I would probably need to give it a little more time. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, I don't think we need to necessarily put it in order either. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think top five is definitely fair. Yeah. Well, and, I think Mitch uh, definitely falls in top five then. He's in the top five. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so hard to say right now because so much depends on the season, right? Like this really is a critical season for three of the assets, which are uh, the other ones to me are obviously IQ and Obi. So, like, especially quickly in particular, I'm very confident in Obi. I feel like he actually has pretty – I bet teams would be really interested in him, to be honest. But I don't – I really wonder where people are on IQ. I think he's such an interesting player because he's so all over the map. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. Would, would teams value him more than Mitch? I don't know. The other name we got to throw in there is Grimes, who is the other yes. guy that – but so, also, I almost want to say, should Brunson be in there over one of those guys? I think the I think that so RJ Mitch, OBIQ Brunson Grimes are like the the six options here. I think yeah. yeah. So someone's got to go. Oh, that's I, a that's a good question. I think you know it's Brunson because of his contract. I guess because he's not like a quote unquote young guy on a cost affordable. Deal. Right, like if you're talking about. Which, you know, like usually it is based on trade value, even if that's maybe not the best way to look at at it. Like OB, IQ, and Mitch are all going to fetch more in a trade. So I'm going to agree, and I'm going to say those five, but what I'm going to say in in regards to the second part of Jordan's question about out of those players who who will improve their trade value the most this season, I will just say like Brunson I think has the highest chance of improving his trade value even more because uh, yeah if if he becomes like an all-star this year and is averaging like let's say that he gets to like 20 and 7 or something i mean that's that is the dude then like i mean i don't know if the knicks would do it but if you're looking at it like just because of the familial ties and everything but if you're looking at it from a purely objective perspective like the next time a donovan mitchell becomes available or something the 20 point seven assist efficient all-star on the team is definitely the first guy you should look who makes a decent chunk of salary, which works great in a trade would definitely be like the first piece that you would start building that trade around, which I think is super valuable. Mm-hmm. So I think he has a chance to raise his value to be arguably the most valuable, but as of right now, I put him just on the outside looking in. Yeah, that's a, I agree with that. Good yeah. way of looking at it. I mean, the the other one who could is Mitch, right? Like, if he's really this good, probably would. 
if Mitch is even like 80% as good as he was against Washington on Friday for the whole season, like, yeah, he's. Yeah, he's I mean, good. that contract starts to look real good if he's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, shit. Yeah. And I mean, he'll, he'll, if he's that good, like, again, 80% of what he did against Washington. So let's say he's not like, doesn't look like a fucking center god, but, you know, looks really good. Like, at that point, then you're like, he would be at least as valuable as like Capella was when Houston traded him to to Atlanta. Didn't Atlanta give up like two firsts in mm. that deal? So uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, even if they were protected or something, like I could definitely see that happening. Um, so we'll we'll see how that all ends up going in the end. I, although I don't know, maybe they didn't give up quite that much because I think that was like that was all part of a giant machination to get Westbrook there, if I remember correctly. Uh. Because then that was when Houston decided, like, we're just not going to play a center ever. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't quite that much. But, like, he definitely got them at least, like, one first-round pick out of that. And, you know, maybe Mitch plays himself up to that level. Um, so, we'll see with that. I could also see Grimes, if Grimes manages to take over as the starter a couple months in and is getting, like, a consistent, like, 20-something minutes and shooting threes really efficiently and playing great defense, like... He's got, since the Knicks don't actually have like a real rookie this year, he's the most valuable guy on the Knicks in terms of like the longest term left on his rookie deal still and could potentially be like their most valuable or one of the most valuable trade assets on the team going forward. So, all right, uh, let's move to our next questions, though. Uh, we have a few more from Discord here. We have Do That Doug, the other mail.bag host, uh, of course, Doug Steele. AKA Drew Steele. <laughs> is Randall regressing to the mean or is Grundle getting less touches? What? Yeah. Grundle is Randall. Yeah. Yeah. I think what Doug is saying, like, is Grundle. Ah, shut up, Doug. Is this like a I Jekyll and Hyde thing? I think I don't think it makes sense. I think he's saying, like, is Grundle just around the yes? Less, yes. But what is regressing to the mean? That could be good or bad. No. Well, no, 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 no. You know, you know, it means good. If anything, wouldn't okay? Wouldn't the proper way to put this? Maybe Drew just didn't put what he was thinking right. Should it maybe be is Randall progressing to the mean? Like no, no. You're still regressing. What he should have written is regressing towards the mean. You're still regressing towards the mean if you're getting better. Oh, okay. So right. that's what the right. terminology is. That's what I'm saying. But that's yeah. what, it, what is the grundle having less touches? Well, because he's saying it is. A, he means that he's kind of conflating a Jekyll and Hyde thing with a like is is Randall just kind of returning to to the the mean version of Randall, average version of Randall, um, oh. or is it? Only but also, but then he also threw in like bad shit. But that's right. a, that's the same thing. Yeah. Or is the he, Mr. Hyde version of Randall, which is Grundle, right. not actually showing up as often? I mean, but it, I it is the same thing. It's literally the same thing. Yeah, exactly. It's the same yeah. thing. So. <laughs> okay. Dog. Okay. Jesus. I'm just, I'm just going to say, like, one is a one is a direct result of the other. Like, they're putting Randall in situations that are more conducive to success for him than what he did last year, and he's having success. So that's it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, no, no, you're right. All right, next one comes from the Discord from Ronnie from Hell's Kitchen. What is up with Tibbs? I don't know. I've been asking myself that a lot lately. Like, the preseason was surprisingly good. Competent. Competent. 
It's yeah. the beer season, the way it's supposed beer. to be used. Beer, bro. That, it's a beer. nice, you know, it's a nice look for him. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't know what else. I don't yeah. know what else to say there. I'm not sure. <laughs> you, t- you think he took his VCR out to a nice uh, steak dinner? <laughs> yeah, he must have. The VCR is really treating him well this year. Yeah, yeah they, they had some marital strife, but uh, things worked out. That's so, why things weren't working out good last year. That's why he kept making yeah. all those passive aggressive watching the tape comments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was talking to the VCR. I watch yeah. tape. I watch it. My VCR isn't mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess my simple answer to what's up with Tibbs is like, he maybe seems to be learning a lesson to a degree. Although again, it's just, it's the same thing. It's so funny because we're going through the same thing with Randall as we went through two years ago. But it's like, okay, cool preseason, but I need to see yeah. more of this. So I'm sure. encouraged, but I need to see a lot more additives. Right. Like, we got to go through at least like 20 regular season games before I believe this is real. No, 10. Come on. Give me a fucking 20. break. There's no chance that they're, if they're like seven and three after 10 games that you're going to be like, oh, but I need to see 10 more. There's zero fucking chance. What? And that's fine, by the way. That, I, I, I think that's a little, 10 games, like, I don't, I don't agree with you, Zach. I think. Okay. And you'll like it because we'll be. Well, obviously, we'll be happy if they're seven and three. That's not the point. What we're saying, well, what Alex is saying, what I'm agreeing with is like just because if if it's six through 10 games, we would still be wary that it will not stick long term. Mm, Maybe. Maybe. I see what you're saying. We'll see. Usually winning cures everything. That is uh, one of those truisms that uh, is true. <laughs> a truism that's true. Okay. Yeah. That. <laughs> On that incredibly smart note, let's move to our next question. Uh, which team, this one comes from ZMP323, another, uh, another uh, question from ZMP here. Which team wins the inevitable Subway Super Bowl matchup, the Jets or the Giants? We got two Jets fans and one Giant fan in here. Uh, I would still probably say the Giants because I can't pop. Yeah, I was just the Giants. The Giants. Wait, what's funny is I'm picking the Jets. <laughs> That's so funny. There's no way the, the Jets will win a Super Bowl. <laughs> it's just that's I, I I I think like I hope I'm wrong. I'm starting after this week to think I might be wrong. I still don't think the Giants are actually good. I I might I I get it. Let me put it that way. I don't really know. I haven't watched them their full games or anything, but it all I seems mean, like a little bit of smoke and mirrors, right? I'm not watching the Jets either, but like it does seem like the Jets are winning in ways that are, are less ridiculous. The well, Jets are winning like, because their defense combat. is great, and now they have Zach Wilson back, who's not actively terrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 yeah. 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 And Brees Hall might be like the next hot shit. At running yeah. back in the NFL, no, he, like, is. he, he is. is very good, very talented. Well, so I think to go back to the Giants, which Schwinn would say here if he were if he were here right now, and I think is probably true, is Wink Martindale is a very good defense coordinator, and people thought he wasn't for whatever reason. And Mike Kafka, the Giants' offense coordinator, might actually be a genius. So it's possible yeah. the Giants will just keep winning because their coaches are like insanely good and not anything to really do with the talent level. Yeah, whereas I think the Jets, Salah is a, definitely a good defensive coach. Like, their defense has looked very improved now that they actually have talent on the defense. Whereas I don't have a ton of faith in the Jets' offensive play calling with uh, fucking, what's his name? Um, 
Oh my god, the their offense coordinator is literally the brother of the Packers. Lafleur? Okay. Wait, how do you not have faith in their? Play? I mean, let's not go too far into this, but in the game today, I would say the play calling won them the game, like almost single handedly. Yeah, that, but week to week, I don't love it. Oh, dude, them. no, come on. The Barrios end around has been two touchdowns. They call them at the perfect time. It has never not worked. Yeah, so they're setting it up perfectly. They had a tight end screen on like third and eight on a huge drive that ended up in a touchdown. And the Brees Hall run for a touchdown. What was that play? I've never seen that before. I've literally never seen that. It was like the weirdest design run play, and he busted off a thirty-yard touchdown. Yeah, like, I might just, I might just be a little too, a little too reluctant to give a Jets offensive coordinator credit for anything. We'll see uh-huh. how things keep going. So yeah, I mean, well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think they're playing it safe and not letting. Wilson do too much yeah. is really what it comes down to. That said, it's good for the area. It's good for the New York area that both yeah. teams have young, exciting teams. It's pretty cool. It right is. Now. It so. is. There, there are people at the bar cheering. Yeah. For <laughs> you know I, I normally, by this week in the NFL season, in the for the past like five years at this point, have just started watching Red Zone exclusively because exactly. I watch the Giants. Exactly. That's, that's what I, I used to do too. And now and I'm, I'm watching the Giants. Giants now. Yeah. Yeah, it's dope. All right, we're going to move on to the nerd section, which is all the nerdy questions. Nerd. This first one comes from Jax365 from the Discord. Jax, I'm so sorry. We literally Googled this question beforehand. We don't know what the fuck we're talking about here. Uh, but we're still going to take the question. Maybe we'll see if Drew wants to take this one next week. Maybe he's a murder. He probably knows. Person. He probably knows this. Uh, but Jax says, given that Dame Angela Lansbury has died, where does Jessica Fletcher rank among TV detectives? We literally had to look up. We were, we thought that they were two separate like people. Yeah, I just like, was, like I read this question as now that Angela Lansbury's dead, where, where like where does Fletcher her, rise to? <laughs> right, like where is her chief competition among TV? Like I really thought that she, that was another actor. Yeah, I had no clue. This is apparently the main character of Murder She Wrote. I, never in my life have I watched an episode of that show. Um, yeah. I'm not even like passingly familiar with it. Clearly. I know it exists. I know it exists. We're going to have to pass this question on to Drew though, who is a big time TV hipster and probably knows all about this. Even though murder, she wrote, I know is like was massively popular for a long time, but I just, I I said this before we start recording and this is not meant as any offense to you, Jack. So if if you take offense to this, but like, I remember that being the show that like, like my parents and like my parents, like friends would, and even like grandparents to a degree would like talk about. I never watched it. It was like the equivalent of like, I don't know, like, like I know the golden girls existed, but I never watched an episode of it. So that's kind of where I'm at. on murder. She wrote. It's just like, I'm aware they existed. I know for some people it's like a Pantheon show for me. I've never watched an episode. Probably never will. So, but RIP Angela Lansbury. I'll say that much. Right. Can we all agree on that? That's it. Yeah. Can we- <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on. Before that, so this is something to get us canceled. I'm uh, kidding. I know. I know you're kidding. This uh, this next one is just for me. This comes from unless you you guys don't have any. No, it's it's wrestling. wrestling. I'm I'm muting myself for now. <laughs> you guys have no love of '90s wrestling, right, Zach? Not you either. I don't give a shit. I'm gonna get some fruit. All right. This will only take a second, so don't wait too long. Uh, all right. Far off the mark. Uh, specifically asked me, would you rather have Kyrie Irving get jackknifed by Kevin Nash? Razor's edged by Scott Hall or leg dropped by Hulk Hogan. Um, Schwinn immediately responded to this saying, if you pick Hogan's leg drop, you're dead to me. 
but like in kayfabe, which is like wrestling's version of like canon, you know, or like it, where you're pretending that wrestling is real. Hogan's leg drop is like apparently enough to kill anybody in a wrestling match. So I guess I would, I'm tempted to say Hogan's leg drop, even though it's like one of the lamest wrestling finishers of all time, he literally just fucking leg drops someone, which is like the most basic fucking move on the planet. But because he like power slams them first and then does his like ear up to the crowd thing that apparently makes it way better. Granted, I love the rock to death and he does the fucking people's elbow, which is literally just him doing an, a standing elbow drop, but where he swings his elbow around a couple times. So I, I, I don't know if I'm really, uh, he basically took that right from the Hogan playbook. Um, that said, then in our discord, Mikey cooks reminded me that Kevin Nash, like broke someone's neck, uh, giving them the jackknife the one time. So, you know what? We're going to go with jackknife by Kevin Nash. That's probably the coolest move anyway. The Razor's Edge was like a, uh, like, sort of a uh, what's it called? Just like a like a neckbreaker almost, uh, or like a cutter. Whereas the Jackknife is actually a pretty impressive move. You got to like really pick the guy up super duper high and then you know shoot them out for the the huge power bomb there. So I'll go with Jackknife. I think that's the answer again because it actually broke someone's neck once. So you know, not saying I want Kyrie's neck to get broken, but the possibility does exist. Uh, and he has been openly retweeting and liking Alex Jones stuff who just got forced to pay a billion dollars to a bunch of people whose lives he ruined. So that's cool. All right. Uh, next question, Matt, definitely need you in here for this one. If you're I'm still here. muted. All right. This one comes from G baked in the discord. And apparently drew did not do this any justice on last week. So I vowed that we would tackle this question, Matt. What did he say? Do you know? I have no idea. I didn't listen. If I'm being yeah, honest, I mean, neither do I. <laughs> so. uh, all I know is that all I know is that that Greg G baked was like, "Man, I'm really <laughs> let down that you didn't do a good job with this question." So we're gonna do this one justice, Matt, because I know that you and I, and maybe Zach, if Zach is here, maybe Zach is a, a big Office and Parks and Rec guy. But uh, G baked wants to know which was better, the Office or Parks and Rec. Matt, I'll throw that to you first because I know famously this is your. One of your lines on your hinge profile. I'm impressed you remember that. Uh, correct, it is. Um, and specifically, the line is that I'll fall for you if you think Parks and Rec is better than The Office, because the answer is Parks and Rec. Um, and here's here's what. It is. I, you're right. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you were about to get real angry about what did you say? Well, no, I was just I was just confused because like I didn't hear what he said. He just talked in the middle of my sentence. Um, he actually called you uh, under his breath, but. Well, okay. What, what can you do? Um, here's why. Parks and Rec is Zach. Can you at least mute if you're going to be? I mean, I was eating oh, before yeah. and I was muted. Come on, um, this fucking guy. Parks and Rec <laughs> is a comedy in which the characters, or rather, the jokes, come from the characters being nice to and liking each other. The Office, the jokes mostly come from the characters being mean to and kind of actually not liking each other. So that's point number one. Point number two, uh, Parks and Rec, as much as people, you know, don't necessarily love Chris Pratt anymore, it did turn Chris Pratt into one of the, you know, highest A-list actors of the world um, because he was so insanely funny that he got made into Star-Lord and then also dressed Park for some reason. Um, number three, uh, I would hold up um, the... 
Parks and Rec, best Parks and Rec episodes, probably not better than the best Office episodes, I'll admit, but like, I think there are enough of them to compete. Like, I think there are more amazing Parks and Rec, Parks and Rec episodes than amazing Office episodes. Again, because so much of the comedy from The Office comes from people being mean to each other. And I just don't really think that that's, you know, that's what I necessarily want in a comedy. I do think The Office is funny. I'm not pretending it's not. But I am looking to feel good when I watch comedy. And sometimes I don't really feel that great watching The Office. Parks and Rec always makes me feel good because it all all of the comedy comes from love. Yeah, I am also in agreement that I think Parks is better than The Office. Uh my main argument that I usually say is that Parks's entire run, I think, is fantastic. Like even season one, people don't love as much, but like I still think season one is pretty great. Season um, one of Parks is better than season one of The Office, even though I don't think season Parks season one of Parks is good for sure. Because Michael was like thoroughly unlikable on yeah. season one of The Office. Like they really yeah. had to change his character a ton season two forward to make him like more likable. Um, because in the first season, I was literally like, why the fuck do people even like this show? Like, the main yeah. character is a huge asshole. Because um, I watched it, like, post-hype, like, when the show was already finaled already. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, why was this such a phenomenon when I was watching the first season? Then, as things went on, I understood it. But, um, I, I like, so the first season of The Office isn't as good. And the last two seasons of The Office are largely not good at all. Uh, there's one or two standout episodes, but, like... I mean, the the James Spader season, the second to last one, I yeah. think is definitely better than the last season. The last season was, other terrible. than like other than the finale, the very, very end, absolutely terrible. Like this, like, the finale is good. The finale is good. The finale was good. They tied everything up in a bow. That was nice. But like, just the like, the stupid, like, will they, won't they, Pam and Jim going to get divorced? It's like, why are you guys trying to convince us that like two people can't just like fall in love and make it work and support one another and like, whatever like it, it seemed very like disingenuous of jim being like i'm going to like try to get something better for us than working at a paper yeah. company and pam being like but why wouldn't you tell me and it's like because maybe like it, things weren't final yet and like he i thought told her about things at a normal time when people would tell people things like that like well they, the thing is like they have jim and i agree with you generally but the they have Jim. That's always Jim's character too. Though. They have Jim act like a douche all the time, and yeah. yet you're supposed to find him endearing. And like, yeah. I really mostly don't. Yeah. Well, the other thing with Jim too is like, it was in character for him to sort of keep that under wraps until it was yeah. like final because he did that with everything throughout the show. Well, he's also very. I mean, he has like a huge fear of failure, so yeah. he yeah, um, so, which is why he doesn't he doesn't really try to actually you know make a career out of anything at the beginning of the show until he ends up with Pam and kind of starts to, you know, feel a little bit more motivation, but, um, and like, he has something to work for, like, right. And I actually, and everything. you mentioned the office finale, Alex reminded me that the parks finale is, I Way think better. up there with the breaking bad finale is as like one of the best TV finales ever. Yeah. And, and their, their, uh, uh, COVID reunion special was amazing. As oh, well. so good. I, I can't believe they pulled that. They pulled off one of the best episodes of the show. Honestly, that episode was so funny. It was still hilarious. Everyone yeah. on Zoom. Yep. Yeah, they did. They filmed the whole thing on Zoom. They gave yeah. all of the like ad money or whatever that it generated to charity. And, and, ran, and like, I they, think, like a little fundraiser during it. Like, so cool. Aubrey Plaza and Chris Pratt, obviously not in, in the same room. And yet they somehow made it seem like they were in the same room. Well, because they said that they said that Andy got locked in. Locked the in the garage. Yeah, yeah, but like it was just 
so good. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, but yeah, front to back, the, the parks whole run was like amazing. I, I never thought they had a bad season or like a bad run of episodes at all. Uh, ben and Leslie, I know people won't agree with this, but better couple than Jim and Pam. Uh, without a doubt. Well, here's here's the thing about Ben and Leslie, by the way. They got together and then they were still funny because they didn't like decide the only way they could have been funny is when they were like butting heads before they got together. So they just made them funny in a different way. And like they had obviously problems, but like normal married or dating couple problems, not like weird Jim and Pam problems where it seems like they're going to get divorced every three seconds. Yeah. And Jim and Pam, they did, they did definitely have it like after they got together is like, they had that one episode where they sort of acknowledged it, where they were like, we never do like pranks and fun shit together yeah. anymore. And it's like, yeah. So like, that's a great message that like the second that you get married or whatever, like all the fun goes away. <laughs> like what? <laughs> um, anyway. So yeah, it, front to back parks is better. I'm, I'm with you too. The, the comedy in like parks is just like a, a show that like, gives you butterflies yeah. for just like how fun it is. Like everything is just, you feel like, like you just laugh, but it's like, it's not like a cringe laugh. It's just like, you're laughing because it's hilarious because Leslie's just like, so overly wholesome that it like is hilarious. Um, whereas with the office, a lot of times you're just like, Oh, <laughs> here's know, like, a, here's a perfect example. If Jerry were a character on the office, he would not have a fulfilling home life or like end up being elected mayor, like kind of by accident and then or, be mayor or the for biggest, like or years. the biggest penis that the right. ever that seen. man has the largest penis I have ever seen. I don't even know if he, whatever. I don't even know if he had cancer. I was so distracted by the largest penis I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Like Jerry would not like you feel okay with like the only character I mean to is Jerry. And yet, it's actually okay because like he's happy. Yeah. Yeah. So he always wouldn't do that. He would just like kill himself or something. <laughs> he he would have effectively been like uh uh what was um Toby. Toby or uh uh the character who gets fired in the second season. Um uh fuck. I don't know when it was with. between him or Creed to get fired at the Halloween episode. I'm forgetting uh, his name now. I don't remember who you're talking about. Okay, I forget his name now, but whatever. The the other character that when he leaves, he's like Jim, Pam, the Temp, uh, Creed, Meredith, whatever. You guys could come for beers with me. Everybody else, go fuck yourselves. It just leaves. <laughs> I, I, but, I do know what you're talking about, but I, I don't remember yeah. which character that was. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I think that's it. Zach, do you have anything to add to this rousing debate? No, Parks uh, and is better because The Office is cringe. Yeah. It's the whole thing is cringe and I hate it and it gives me anxiety to watch it because I am an empathetic person. And when I watch that, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm watching someone make an absolute fool of themselves. This is not funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move to our next question. Then this one, uh, another one from Jordan Bub. This one made the, the nerd section. Although it's, it's not super nerdy. It's just kind of entertainment. Would you rather every movie... Inclu- this is another trilogy question. Would you rather every movie, including god-awful movies, have a trilogy or every TV show, including god-awful TV shows, have 20 seasons? Plus, it could stop at 20 seasons or continue making more. I would assume that same rule applies to the movies. I'm going to go with the movies because yeah. I don't think any good TV show has 20 seasons. 
Uh, it's always sunny. They don't have I mean, 20. It's not at 20 yet, but it will. And they're okay. all. <laughs> I guess that there are certain exceptions to the rules. South yeah. Yeah. South Park, although South Park, I, in my South opinion, so fell off like seasons. seven or eight seasons ago. South Park has a lot of bad seasons. I still watch it occasionally, but like, and obviously Simpsons is like mostly awful now. Like, I think that's overstated. It's welcome. Absolutely. Family Guy is probably over 20 now and it's overstated. It's welcome. Yeah. Like, I mean, every show that makes it that far, other than maybe Always Sunny, uh, generally, I feel like it's overstated. It's welcome by that point. Well, the reality of this is either way, no matter what it is, you're just going to watch the good ones and not the bad ones. And I find that that's easier to do with movies than it is with yeah. TV shows. Yeah. Actually, you know what the other thing I'll say is, too? I think that the production companies are way more fickle with TV show money and shit like that than they are with movie budgets. So I will just say from a, a like entertainment nerd business perspective, I think I would rather the movie trilogy thing because they could very easily, if they, if they're required by law to make three of a shit movie, they'll just cut the budget way down for the second and the third ones to just be like, whatever, just send them straight to fucking streaming or whatever. Whereas with shows, if they're required to put out 20 seasons, that's like, at least, even if they're cranking seasons out like crazy, that's at least like a 15-year commitment to put out 20 seasons of a TV show. Mm-hmm. And that's going to tie up so much money and resources that if they make one bad bet on a TV show, then everybody's fucked. And a bunch of good ideas are not going to happen because normally TV shows are like super fickle. And it'll be like, sometimes you'll be like three episodes into the first season. And they'll be like, nope, cutting the cord. Like, <laughs> cease all production Let's cut our losses. Let's move on to the next project. Whereas movies, I feel like there's more budget available. So from that perspective, I also say, let the good TV shows stand on their own ground. I'll take trilogies for everything and hopefully some good shit in movies that didn't end up getting trilogies. We'll get trilogies and we could just ignore the bad ones. What do we think? Good? Good? Yes. All right. Cool. All right. Moving to our next question. This one comes from G Baked from the Discord. Uh, another another TV show question. It's a good time to be a fan of nerd TV shows. What have been your favorite moments from the current run? Oh, uh, great question. Have Zach you guys watched... Go first. Zach, Wait, go first. What? I'll let Zach go. I just want to ask a question. Have you guys watched the Rings of Power finale? Yes. yes. Or can we do spoilers? That's what well, I, so, I, I, think right, we, yeah, let's, I think we do spoilers because we have to fucking talk about that. I think right, so, we, we, yeah. Yeah. so let's yeah. just say right now, Zach, you didn't watch She-Hulk, but do you care if we talk spoilers on that? No, I don't give a shit. Okay. Uh, Just timestamp right. time stamp this in the description, Alex, so that they know to skip. Yeah. I'll yeah, do my best to remember to do that. We'll just give we'll give a nice little like pause right now to just say, like, all right, we're going to talk about some of the shows that have come out recently. We're all mostly caught up. I haven't watched House of the Dragon because I'm not a Game of Thrones guy, but yeah, that's whatever. fine. Tonight we'll, tonight's gonna be the big episode, so we we haven't seen the stuff we're gonna talk about. Is that the finale? No, no, next week's the finale, but tonight's episode okay. nine, which is always the big one in Game of Thrones. Okay. So so anyway, so uh, but we're all pretty much caught up. So we'll give a quick pause here. If you haven't watched those things, skip ahead, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and if you still hear things related to Lord of the Rings or Marvel or whatever, then keep going until you find none of that anymore. All right. Ready, set, go. All right. Now we can continue with this question. So Zach, I'm going to throw this to you first because I saw you on Twitter a couple weeks ago say that for you, this current moment in time is your golden age of TV shows. Oh, Yeah. So I oh want to try. God. No Andor spoils these though, because I haven't watched. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. 
I will be very vague with Andor. I don't. It's not the type of show where spoilers even really matter. Anyway, I will say about that that it is fucking incredible. It's the best thing since Empire. I'm not. It's to me, it's better than The Mandalorian. It's better than any of the sequel movies. It's so fucking good. The way it's executed, the way they do everything. Again, it's not really a spoilery type show. It's not, I wouldn't describe it as like a plot-driven thing. It's, it's a character drama in a lot of ways. And there are real stakes, and it's fucking awesome. Like the, the most recent episode, episode six, my heart was racing the entire episode. That has never happened to me in Star Wars. That's the type of thing that happens in like other movies, right? And Star Wars is its own thing, which I also love, of course. But they are adding that to Star Wars, and it's fucking incredible. I love it so much. Um, House of the Dragon, also awesome. That's probably my least passionate one because it it's just kind of Game of Thrones, right? Which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, everything else has a uh, nostalgic quality to it for me, where Game of Thrones is just kind of Game of Thrones. Like, it's good. We know it's good. It's fine. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot. That's not to say I'm not. But Before you move on to Rings of Power, Zach. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're gonna have a lot to say about that. I only have one comment because I actually really don't. I just generally agree with your point about um, House of the Dragon. Also, I don't love Andor as much as you, but it's very good. Anyway, um, House of the Dragon, I, I like. Yes, it's just basically Game of Thrones. It's enjoyable. I like it. Targaryens need to come up with different ways to name their children. Mm-hmm. It's super confusing. Aegon, Aemon, yeah. Aemond, Vaymond. I think yeah, actually he's a Targaryen, but. Um, I get it's in the fucking book, but like, yeah. throw me a fucking bone, guys. It's Jesus. so hard to keep track of. Dayron, uh, I mean, obviously Viserys, very different, but Damon, it's like, it's, it's ridiculous. They're all so similar. Rhaenyra, Rhaenyse, like, come on. Come on, George. I'm blaming George because it is in the book, but. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it, you know, it's hyper realistic, which is the whole thing, fine, whatever. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right, Zach, you can, uh, you can splooge over Lord of the Rings now. No, okay. So, no, no. Well, well aren't we going to have a collective splooge, guys? Well, yeah, but you, but you're, this is your floor. I'll, I'll, okay. yeah. Dude, no. That, so, I've been loving this entire series from the beginning. I've been very clear about that. I think maybe episode three was the only one that I was kind of mid on. Uh, but as it continues to go, it's only gotten better and better. And this is like the absolute culmination of that in so many ways. Because number one, this final episode was really, it reminded me of Return of the King in that there was like a, a the pinnacle in the action is like two thirds of the way through, right? And But the actual emotional pinnacle is at the end and nothing really happens in a sense, right? Like people learn things and that's about it. There's no fighting. It's just people talking and it's so fucking compelling. Like the, the scene between Sauron and, uh, and Galadriel when they're talking, they're just fucking talking and he's pitching her on being the queen was so good. I was like, and he makes I, the king. I thought for a second she was going to agree and I know that like, exactly. I know how the story goes but I actually thought she was going to agree. Exactly. Exactly. And that, like, like the fact that they can do that just speaks to how well written this show has been, how well set up these characters are. I didn't realize how much I cared about these characters until this episode. Yeah, th this yeah. finale was, so first of all, it was so, I guess they haven't fully confirmed. I really don't want the, the wizard to be Gandalf. They haven't fully confirmed it yet. It, no, it's uh, definitely it, him. It's, it's definitely, definitely Gandalf. I was really hoping it would be Radagast. I actually think it would be kind of interesting if it was Saruman, but it's definitely Gandalf. Um, I, like, 
it, it was obvious that he was not Sauron beginning when they're like, oh, you're Sauron. It's like, okay, this is bullshit, but let's see where this goes. But for a second, I was like, maybe Halbrand really isn't Sauron. Not that I believed the wizard is Sauron, but like, I was like, maybe Halbrand really isn't Sauron, but it was like, right. it was so obvious that he was. So it was still like a tiny bit surprising when he, also that he revealed himself like so freely to Gladriel because he really thought that he had like reformed, I think. And he's thinking like, I'm really not here to do anything evil. I'm here to, to save the realm. No, and but I think, I think the point is that he's just lying so compellingly that it seems like that. So in the, in, in the history, in the history of the, the book in the war, Sauron, when he dies, comes back and actually chooses to be good briefly and is drawn back to the dark. And I think that's what they were going for here is Sauron saying to Galadriel, like, and he just doesn't even understand that he's still not actually doing something good where he's saying, like, I don't see a difference between saving the realm and ruling it. I like, I know I can, you know, help these people. And she's like, that's not what that is. Yeah, I guess it's possible, but I didn't. It didn't strike me as that. I thought he was just making such a. I thought it was just really. They did a great job writing how someone called Sauron the Deceiver yeah. would try to deceive someone even as intelligent and powerful as Galadriel. And uh, it really was him twisting her brother's words in her right. memory. She's sitting there looking at her brother, knowing this is not. This is this right. is not my brother. This is Sauron, and yet. He twists her word. He twists his words just enough that she's like, "Wait a second, am I misremembering this interaction?" It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, that, that's no like so, like that's brilliant, and that it's it is a credit to them. I, I can't it, because the, the other part of it is like, I mean, and I don't want to get too nonspecific, but the fact that everyone involved in the show fucking nailed it because if you cannot act that scene. A lot of this final episode was nonverbal. I think actually the, I read somewhere that like the last eight minutes, kind of like Return to uh, Revenge of Sith, where like the, there's an extended period of time where there are no words mm. being spoken and it's all nonverbal communication. And a lot of that is the case, right? Like when Kel Brimbor is ta- talking about why they should build the rings and he says something that clearly came from Sauron. Yeah. They don't state this. They expect you to pick up on it. And they, the camera is, like, focused on Galadriel, even though Kel Brimbor is speaking. Yeah. And you see her reaction that clues you in that you're like, oh, shit, he just said something uh, that sounds a little evil, doesn't it? Yeah, and that- and, I mean, at that point, we still – well, no, sorry. I'm, I, maybe I'm mixing up the scenes. So I'm thinking of when Gilgal was like, we're going to listen to this fucking Southlander. And, and you know, Kel Brimbor was like, we don't have a choice. But maybe maybe you're talking about the later scene. No, I, I honestly don't remember exactly. He's talking, what he's he's talking about the scene where Galadriel then goes, "Are those your words?" The yes, what yes, said. exactly, exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, it was so well acted. If it was not, this entire show would fall flat, and every single person involved in the show crushed it from the perspective of acting. And honestly, it's just been like a, that's the setup. This whole thing has been a setup to this point. And the emotional payoff was just massive. It was so fucking good. I had such a great time. I'm enjoying this so much. And I can't believe I, I mean, I could pick 10 different moments that were amazing. Well, yeah. So here's, here's the one I really wanted to point out the end of the episode or nearly end of the episode rather. Cause I think the actual end of the episode is, um, is Gandalf Sauron. and, and Sauron Poppy. Oh no, Sauron overlooking Mount Doom. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's two scenes after this then, but, but when, 
Celebrimbor, Elrond, and Galadriel just admiring the rings. It's like really we've never even we've never really seen those, and it's just like so cool. Yeah, we just know that the rings exist, but we've never right. Like we know they're three elven rings, and like here here they are. Like we we've never. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. You guys are bigger Lord of the Rings nerds than I am, but by the time of the the Fellowship and everything, those rings have been destroyed. Correct? No, I think they're around. No, because yeah, doesn't don't we see? Don't we? I said we almost never seen. Don't we? Well, see has one. I'm pretty sure Galadriel has one. Yeah, Galadriel has hers. That's that's what I thought too. That's why I said. That's why I was saying. I don't the Nazgul have them? Isn't that their whole thing that they? Well, the, Nazgul, the Nazgul do have. Yeah, they do have their rings. The dwarven rings are lost. I guess the dwarven rings are gone yeah. for sure. But that that's probably the Balrog thing. Yeah, yeah. which is cool because like that, obviously they're not done, right? Those are three of the rings. My theory is that they're going to do rings every finale. You know what's fucking wild is that there was so much going on in these last couple episodes that I totally forgot that they fucking revealed a Balrog at the end of the. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. I think we're not going to get that Balrog. For a while, yeah, for a while, you're, yes, it, because Moria doesn't fall that. Well, right, that's like literally the. I mean, that's we've we've seen it, you know, in in the yeah. movies because they go exactly. there and yeah. But it's just and it's just fucking wild just that there was that reveal, and I until you just said the word Balrog a second ago, I was like, holy fuck, there was so much yeah. happening in those yeah. last few episodes. I forgot yeah. that they revealed it's a, Balrog. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really really good show. Um, yeah. I agree. Actually, I could see that. Like, if if now. I keep wanting to call him Halbrand, but you know, if if Sauron goes to goes to the dwarves next season, and you know now tricks them into making the rings, and then you know the the then he goes presumably to like whatever's left of Numenor, and that's going to be a little less interesting because yeah. like the whole point about men is like they're just very easily persuaded by evil. But yeah. um, I think he's probably going to the dwarves next. I think my theory about what's going to happen is the dwarves are going to learn of the of the rings that. Like, I think that both the dwarves and the men aren't going to get persuaded by Sauron to make their rings. They're just going to do it of their own volition because the dwarves are going to look at it like, you fucking elves made yourselves power rings. Isn't it the story, though, Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, that Sauron, like, corrupts every race? Yeah, I I think that, I don't know. I never read this Silmarillion or anything. My knowledge is all gleaned from, like, following the fandom throughout. Mine too. I I haven't read the Silmarillion either. So I I don't know, but I think that's my impression is yes. And the thing is, remember, he can, like, take whatever form he wants. So it would actually, I'm just now realizing, wouldn't it be cool if he was a character in every season? And And we had to find out who it was. I guess it would be kind of it would be made kind of obvious pretty quickly. Like, here's this new character. No, like but not necessarily because think of how they did it this season. There were a number of reasonable assumptions as to who that could have been. I think by halfway through the season, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but at least from what I was seeing and what I was like personally believing, about halfway through the season, it was very obvious that Halbrand was Sauron. Uh, I think it was potentially obvious, but I think that's a lot of hindsight bias because, I mean, you literally just said before, it was like, is he real? Like, are no, we no, I, I was doubting myself very briefly during this episode, but going into it, I was like, when that's they revealed, I mean. like, when they revealed they, or when, when the, the, when the, the three sisters or whatever they were like said to Gandalf, you're Sauron. I was like, well, I know he's not Sauron because it's fucking Halbrand. And then I was like, well, I know he's not Sauron, but maybe it's not Halbrand. Like very briefly, but like I, I don't know. I thought it was ability is enough. But regardless, it's about the execution, right? Like people have been guessing this from the beginning, and yet no one's mad at it because it was executed. No, it, yeah, I don't, I don't care that I knew that it was. Right. I was pretty sure that. No, it was but, 
Yeah. The point is, like, it's he, they could do that. It'd be cool. I don't know if they're going to do that or not. That'd be interesting. But eventually, he will manipulate them into creating all those rings. Yeah. Obviously. Um, but yeah, man. What like what, what were the one episode? What were the one scenes that stuck out to you guys in this last episode? I, that I think it, for me, really, like the the one that hit me the most for whatever reason was just them admiring the rings and like them and the the camera yeah. just slowly panning out. For me, that it was the scene was cool too. I think the I think the the um, Sauron in Galadriel's mind was the coolest because oh, the thing yeah. I put this in the Discord like when I was talking with Dallas, but like my favorite, uh, my favorite like single shot too was like the like all we've seen so far. I mean, she's stern as shit and like a real badass, but like we've only seen like kind of like sweet like you know like pale like china skin you know uh galadriel so far throughout this whole thing where she like mm-hmm. always looks really beautiful and like you know super pristine whatever and then get that like one second pop of scary galadriel like yeah. from fellowship showing like the dark side there real quick and like the corruptible side and the the violent side of her right. i thought that was cool i think by the way speaking of that scene the one in fellowship her almost getting persuaded by sauron really colors that oh yeah, yeah. absolutely really that's what i'm saying yeah. it all like infl- it all is very much like using the source material well i feel yeah. like yes um, that's that's how you do i won't even call it fan service but that's how you fill in the blank like that is a master class in filling in the blanks yeah you know what i mean like now that scene that simple scene which by the way really that's one of the things that always stuck out to me as being like maybe not necessarily good about the fellowship is like that feels out of place and kind of weird and now it makes so much sense and it means so much because it's like wow that pitch that sauron gave her stuck with her this long and is so instilled in her that when she touches the essence of him via the ring it comes back immediately in his exact words that speaks to the power of him and the ring and that's like wow you know what i mean and that's that's brilliant stuff it's so good yeah i mean i think like generally what if the movies didn't do something well it was like make the the women characters characters arwen is is nothing galadriel's got a little bit more color to her but like really we see her like very briefly in each movie um but now like it just you can watch wait we can go watch them back well go back and watch the trilogy and just not arwen obviously but galadriel at least feel like we understand her motivation so much more although it is funny to like see um Celeborn now and she's like thinks he's dead and he obviously isn't because he's you know right there next to her in fellowship but i will just say they did a pretty decent job with aowen i think in the original oh yeah i'm sorry i got confused aowen's eh, yeah i don't know i like i feel like she's a character arc but there's not really a lot of character arcs in general in those movies it's kind of like the, the hobbits are the ones with character arcs and and aragorn that's really oh, oh little but even that it's not really oh no, he has an arc he what are you talking about he like doesn't want to. He doesn't want to take the throne of Gondor in the first movie. Yeah, but there, there's not really much development of that. It's just kind of stated, and that's fine, by the way. Like, I, I obviously love these movies, so I, I this comes from a place of love. But like, it's never there. There is nothing that earns that statement. You know what I mean? They just kind of say it, and that's it. And then all of a sudden, he's like, "Oh, I'm good." Well, because of Boromir, ostensibly. Well, it's but it's Boromir, and like I think him just watching the Hobbits. You know, like really do something that is insane for any hobbit to do 
I think is, I, I do, I see your point. You kind of have to read into it as opposed to like, it's not even a show, don't tell. It's like a don't show, don't tell. <laughs> but, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. If you know it, then you yeah. can sort of see it. But if you like, to someone who's watching the movie for the first time, I can almost guarantee that they would not pick up on that. Yeah. All right. We're, anyway. Let's talk about real quick. Yeah. At risk of this just turning into a 30 minute Lord of the Rings discussion, uh, yeah. which it's already getting pretty damn close. Um, uh, I will just say we can, we can hold on to this discussion because we, we didn't get to it this off season, but maybe for all-star break or something, we will eventually get to our, our yearly. Uh, We're going to have to rank this season. I think among the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You Probably can almost rank individual episodes in this season. I'm kind of glad we didn't do it so that yeah. we can use the finale. Like because yeah. the finale in my mind, I love the whole season, but the finale in my mind really like changes how I thought about the entire show. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so anyway, but so to get back to the crux of the question about just how great, uh, what are the favorite moments from the current run? Obviously, we both, we all three of us really love the Lord of the Rings show. Uh, I'll just say with She Hulk having just concluded, I really love that show, mm-hmm. and it really hammered home just how good the Marvel shows have been in total that like when it came down to like, Oh, how would you rank all eight of them? Like when people start tweeting that shit out, I'm like, Oh fuck. Like that's really hard. Cause they're all really good. Uh, and I've, I know that there's been a glut of Marvel stuff, but like as someone who could never have enough of that shit, which is clearly a lot of people based off how well a lot of the yeah. things have been received. Like I just look at that and I'm like, I, I think that, what Marvel's doing right now is fucking amazing. Cause it's almost to the effect of like how comics are released where it's like, you get something, you get like a flood of shit, like once a month, you know, um, of like different issues of comics and whatever. Uh, so there's like always something to watch and, and pay attention to, but they're all good. Like all for different reasons, I think, but like she Hulk was such a nice breath of fresh air where it was like really embraced the TV medium. Well, and made a ton of like inside baseball TV type jokes, but also like, you know, she was self-aware. So it's like our first introduction to like a MCU for fourth mm. wall breaking character. The finale, I feel like is pro- I haven't really looked at like what online reception to it was, but I'm sure it was super polarizing, but very I thought it was divisive. really clever. Very yeah. divisive. I, I enjoyed it. Um, very divisive. Yeah. I thought it was very clever having her like, like, after breaking the fourth wall all season to then super break the fourth wall right yeah. at the end and basically be like, why are you writing my like law comedy show? That's largely about like female empowerment into just like a muscle fest at the end, like every other show, which I feel like maybe had to do with the real life drama that apparently surrounded that show where there was a ton of, yeah. I mean, I, you made that point in discord and I think you, you probably are at least somewhat right. And I, I mean, in general, it's interesting that like, I think the fact that that Marvel was totally okay with like letting this show very, very explicitly call out like the shit they do is a good sign. One, well, I did read. I read an article that was a uh, an interview with uh, Tatiana Maslany, and she was like, she was like, "Look, like you know, Kevin Feige was in on the joke." Like, yeah. obviously we didn't like go off the reservation here and like do some shit without his approval. And they were like, he was actually really encouraged or like, like really excited to like kind of riff on himself. And like everybody within Marvel is generally pretty open to riffing on themselves and 
you know, so it came more naturally. She was like, we were more uncomfortable than like he and like some of the other writers and shit were yeah. um, um, doing it just because it felt like that. But yeah, so like, I'm glad that they felt okay doing that. But I, I loved how the show ended. Yeah. So two things, fun. Alex, I have two questions for you. Yeah. One is, how do you feel about Deadpool now having seen how they handled the fourth wall breaks in She-Hulk? Uh, I think Deadpool's going to be amazing as long as they're okay with going full R like they did with. Well, they've already said, yeah, Feige Feige said, Feige said that they're going to go. He said they're going R, but like, I think it was, I think it was actually, it might've actually been uh, G-Baked in the Discord. Someone said like, yeah, but are they going to go full R? And I think they're going to, like, I think what will happen, honestly, my guess is the cursing wall will be there and the blood wall will be there, but the sex wall. Yeah, and maybe a little less of the gore. Like I think it'll gore. mostly the gore will mostly be there. I, yeah. I just think they're not gonna they're not gonna like Marvel is very, very chaste. So like they'll probably they'll probably stay away from like I think they're gonna just take the sex out. That, which that is if you had to lose something, then fine. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I literally I literally don't care about sex scenes in superhero movies. Yeah, like right. unless they serve some sort of like comedic or storyline purpose. But even that you can even just convey that with simply just have them kissing and then fall back on a bed right. and then pay yeah. to the next morning, you know, like yeah. boom, done. Um, um, I agree with you though. I think like I was a little worried, but they clearly like they did a pretty good job with all that stuff. So I, I'm not yeah. really too worried about how like them hamstringing Ryan Reynolds uh, when it comes to the Deadpool stuff. The other question is daredevil. I will say before you answer, I, thought they did a much better job of integrating him into the MCU and like making it clear that it's, it's, it's still the same character that you remember, but also like, he's not going to be as grim dark because we don't do that shit. Um, I thought they did a really good job with him. I thought they did a great job too. The scene or like the whole thing where he and, and Jen are on the mission together yeah. and they tease the hallway scene mm-hmm. and like he gets yeah. through the first wave of baddies and then he's like, all right, let's go like yeah. getting, getting his dukes up, getting ready to go for round two. And then she just like blasts the fucking wall. And it's like, yeah. boom, they're all dead. <laughs> like, come on, let's just fucking move here. Let's I, go already. I listened like, to the, uh, an interview with the writer of the episode of that one. And he said that like Charlie Cox was so excited that he loved that joke so much that they, that they did that because it's just like, it's, it's just like such a nice little wink, but also like you got a hallway fight. They didn't completely throw it out, but no one's going to sit there. It's like she Hulk show. You don't want to watch another 10 minute fight. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I didn't enjoy about that episode and it was unavoidable was the CGI fight between him and Jen. Yeah. I was just like, this isn't very daredevil. Like, yeah. But whatever, you know, they got it out of the way and then they delivered the good shit after that. Also, him doing the walk of shame, holding his boots is maybe the funniest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And just in general. Yeah. I like they kept him true to his character because he was always he was always pretty like deadpan funny in in Daredevil, his own show, too. But only in the moments before the shit hit the fan in the second half of the season. And then he would be like everything is serious. I can only be serious. Everyone I know is in danger and the Kingpin slash the Punisher slash the hand want to, you know, destroy everything that I care about. I must be serious, you know, which I I love those shows to be clear, but like they were very serious shows. So I like that they took him in that direction. I am like, if that report that came out about the whole like future Spider-Man plans is legit, which I have no reason to believe it isn't because Sony is like a giant leak factory Mm -hmm. amongst all the other Marvel shit. Like if it's true that, that Spider-Man four with Tom Holland is essentially going to be Spider-Man and daredevil. I'm so fucking excited. Like that is going to be the most fun movie. Um, which I is think we'll say, have to see. 
I, I think we'll have to see how that goes because they're like the filming is going to have to overlap with them filming Daredevil. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We'll see how I, it goes. I, I hope. I hope. Well, I would hope that maybe there would even be a little bit of integration there. Like I know Marvel definitely Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness told me that they're they're basically now assuming that you're gonna watch their shows. Yeah. Like, so there could almost be a world where daredevil even, do you remember back when, when ages of shield was on TV mm-hmm. and this is a very different Marvel, but like, yeah, cause the Marvel TV was very separate from Marvel proper back then. But like they used to have things where shield would be in the middle of a season. And then like, I especially remember this with winter soldier. Winter yeah, soldier the comes season out. of shield sucked until yeah. winter soldier came out. And, yeah. and then winter soldier comes out and, the shit hits the fan in the TV show, which was still ongoing in real time. Yeah. And so I wonder if maybe there is plans that that could happen with daredevil born again and Spider-Man. Yeah. The one thing I'll say is, and you weren't suggesting this, but like for anyone thinking it, Spider-Man is not showing up in that show. He might for like one. No, he won't because Sony will never like, it's not, it's just not enough there. There's no way for them to get the money from Disney plus to let him be in the, in the show. They'll just, they'll just write a big fat check. They just renegotiate a new deal too. Yeah, so I know. But they, the deal, the deal put, lets them put Spider-Man in one of their movies, which like theoretically you'd say, well, maybe it just said one of their, like one of their productions, but I don't think Sony's going to want Spider-Man in, in a TV show. They could also, the other thing is that they could introduce spider-man the character without using tom holland the actor they'll all know if that would make a difference i was about to say there's like but the thing is i was thinking that too but i I just remembered the suit is also sony property which we know from what if because the what if spider-man was wearing a different suit uh no he was what if was wearing um he was wearing the the stark suit with no he he just cloaked no, he's 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 not wearing. It's not the exact same suit. Go look at it again. It's 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 different. The, the logo is different. Um, they had to change it up a little bit because they're not allowed to use the suit. Oh yeah, okay. It is very slightly different. I'm looking yeah. at it now. All right. Yeah. All right. It's a little different. Well, anyway, uh, we we kind of wandered off topic here. Uh, it's a it's a great time yeah. for for it is a great time for nerdy TV, as could be evidenced by this. We barely even talked about Star Wars, where there's like the Bad Batch and all the great Mandalorian. Yeah, Andor, I mean, Mandalorian's coming back in yeah. in a few months. Andor, like Zach said, has been very good. And even if you look at properties that aren't mainstream shit, or at least weren't before they came out, like Walking Dead just finale, which or is about to finale, I should say, in the next couple months, which really, as someone who loved that show early on, is really found its groove again in the last couple seasons. And then like you have um, the boys, which is fucking amazing. Invincible, which is fucking amazing. Like basically all hail Disney plus and prime video at this point. Cause they're fucking carrying a lot of work. And then, but also like Netflix, like umbrella Academy is really good. I don't know. There's a lot of good nerdy shit right now based off comics and shit. So anyway, all right, let's move on to the not super after dark Nick's mailbag after dark. Hello, ladies. We will first get a question from Jake Andrews again. Uh, so I'm just going to run these by you guys in the interest of time. So we've been going for like two hours now. We'll make these ones quick because it's a lot of mini questions anyway. 
how do you guys feel? Uh, I'll start with Zach since you basically set out the whole Marvel discussion. Uh, cheese on or in a hot dog? Yes or no? I've never done that. I'm not really sure why. On or in? I have to pick one. You never had a chili cheese dog? No, you don't no, have to pick one. No, 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 Zach. The question is just like, do you are you good with cheese involved with a hot dog? Essentially, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't really love hot dogs in general, though. To be honest, they're kind of gross. So, but yeah, that means less hot dog and more cheese. So, I'll <laughs> I I'm with him. By the way, I don't really love hot dogs, but chili cheese dogs. You know, I'm I don't mind. Bro, hot dog burps are the most disgusting. Well, thing don't I don't want to talk about it. Hot dogs are are they <laughs> honestly? Hot dogs are also like literally like probably like asshole like literally made from big assholes so i don't care what part of animals they're made of i fucking love hot dogs unapologetically i love (laughs) junk food and i love hot dogs uh i'm also very much in favor of cheese on or in hot dogs chili cheese dogs amazing bacon cheese dogs amazing uh oscar meyer cheese wieners amazing oh god all about it all about it christ uh, all right. Next question. Next quick food question. Lettuce is the top layer of a sandwich or the middle? Uh, top? What? I think what he's trying to say, like, does the bread count or something? I'm guessing he doesn't. He doesn't. I think he means, like, do you put the lettuce right under the bread or, like, not right under the bread? What is it in the middle? I've never seen it in the middle of a sandwich. I have never. I would say, like, is lettuce. Yeah, I don't. That's a Actually, lettuce guess, It's a lettuce wrap. There's no bread. If yeah. you have two... No, no. I think ignoring the bread, if you have two different types of deli meat, for example, maybe putting the lettuce between them adds a nice texture. No. If you're making a sandwich, if you're making a sandwich and there's more than one meat, it's, it's um, bread and, let's say, more than one condiment. So bread, condiment number one, uh, lettuce, cheese, meat, Condiment number two, bread. Yeah, sure, I mean, I, I would know. also, I would also say maybe I could only make a case for it being like quote unquote middle if I do a lettuce and tomato on a sandwich. Sometimes I'll place the lettuce and then the tomato on top of the lettuce. I would also be willing to do cheese above lettuce, which I guess would put lettuce in the middle. I but do. Like, you know what I do sometimes? I put the cheese on the bottom if it's like a sandwich where you really want to feature, like yeah. like if you got like a real good cheese, like a real nice cheddar, you're making a sandwich with. Like sometimes I'll throw the the cheese on the bottom because then that's the first thing you taste is the cheese, so it doesn't get lost behind all the meat and everything. Okay, but that's just me. Anyway, all right. It, generally, though, lettuce <laughs> should be the top layer. Definitely don't do a Zach said and put it in the middle layer of your two lunch meats. I'm gonna try it. I'll report back. All right, fine. Report back in two weeks. Uh, all right, hot sauce on pizza from Jake. Yes or no, guys? Definitely. Why not? Yep. Not all the time, but you know, um, you know where. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. But then I'll say my thing. Uh, um, sorry, I wasn't. I was just agreeing. You can say your thing. Uh, so number one place where I put hot sauce on pizza, dollar pizza joints. So you don't have to. So like, if I'm at work in my day job, there's a 99 cent pizza spot around the corner, and there's still 99 cents. They did not go up to a buck fifty or whatever, which is cool. But you go there and they have so you can order like pepperoni or something, but they charge you like. It's like an extra dollar per topping or some shit. It's obscene. So I just get the pizza and then I put like literally everything they have there on it. Like the Parmesan cheese, the oregano flakes, uh, the hot sauce, a little bit of pepper flake, uh, garlic powder, whatever the fuck else they got there. Throw all that on. Delicious. It's really good. It's like a unique type of pizza because I'm trying to keep it as cheap as humanly possible and get lunch for $3. So, Oh, yeah, sure, sure. 
So I love hot sauce in that sense. Cause then I it thought gives you were going to say you bring pepperoni and put it on. I do that. I keep it in my pocket all day. So it gets nice and warm, you know? And then honestly, dude, come on. Is that even, that's a logical extrapolation given we just went over your love for hot dogs. Okay. Yeah, it is true. But anyway, no, my, my moral of the story is the, the hot sauce gives you almost that pepperoni type flavor of like a little sure. spice with your pizza. Yeah. A little spice. Absolutely. Yep. A little Frank's, you know what I mean? Little like Frank's a little vinegary. Yeah. All right. Good. I put that shit on everything as the commercial yep. says. Uh, all right. Next question in this food thing. Uh, hot pastrami, better cooked or microwave? What the fuck kind of question is this? Is anything what? better microwaved? Microwave? No. Not what? Ew. Yeah. What the yeah. hell? That sounds oh. disgusting. Like hot pastrami is best pressed in a panini press, baby. Yeah, this in a, is not in a it. sub roll. Mm. This is not it. We can move on. No microwave. God, Jake, I yeah. question everything right now. Uh, all right. Last one of this food thing. Carrots in Chinese food, harmless filler or inedible? Oh, they're, they're terrible. No, they're fine. No, Chinese broccoli, excellent. Chinese Wait, carrots, oh, okay. n- bad. I, yeah, I would say in Chinese food, I don't have too many exp- excuse me experiences where carrots are included, but I will say the Thai place by me puts a little bit of like it, like grated, shaved, whatever carrots on the side yeah, of their pad Thai. Flavor. Yeah, and yeah. I like it. It adds a little yeah. sweetness, a little freshness. Yeah, I mean, I, have, I have carrots I'm okay with. Chinese yeah. carrots are bad. Okay. This is boring on racist. No, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> you said Thai carrots are fine, but you know, <laughs> Chinese carrots can't do it. You know, can't you won't it. answer the Derek Rosen Hartenstein question, but you will ask Chinese carrots. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. look, sometimes you want carrots and stuff. Oh my god! Oh, sometimes carrots help. Like you put. Haven't you guys made a chili where you where you like ground up carrots and celery and it adds a little bit of something? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no? I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, carrots in a carrots yeah. in like a stir fry are good too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, maybe the place you're getting them from are shit, but I know. Like I, I think it's because, like, at least to my knowledge, and again, I like let's say anecdotally, um, they cut the carrots in a weird way when they put them in Chinese food dishes. So, like. Okay. Um, like they're like kind of weirdly thick, but they're also like ridged and it's very like, it just makes them kind of have a weird texture. Um, <laughs> I, I agree that like that if you, you know, have like julienne or like, you know, uh, chopped carrots, it would be a different. Oh, sorry. fancy boy. It still feels racist to me. Let's move to the next question. <laughs> All right. That's uh, just your opinion. <laughs> All right. This one is the, the truly after dark question that I that I uh, teased before we uh, at the head of the show. Oh, uh, this is it. Oh. Yeah, Franklin Chubb in the Discord wants to know if Adam Silver decreed the NBA had to be coached and played naked. Would you still watch it? Well, I'm gonna say from a player perspective, whatever. They're all in really good shape. It's fine. I don't know how much I would want to see all those close-ups of naked Tibbs every day. I, I would <laughs> love to see naked Tibbs. I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah. It would be hilarious, but like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Just imagine this like tubby body running around. <laughs> how long would that be funny and endearing, though, before you just like, would oh, be funny I'm so tired. I'm so tired of looking at his gut. It like, would be funny forever. Yeah, literally forever. <laughs> I don't know why you're implying. Can you... <laughs> Can you just imagine the amount of jiggles that'll be happening every time he's <laughs> like a piss? 
I think Alex was just afraid he'd be dist- he'd really be really distracted. And this whole thing would fall apart. He'd it would be like it, there would definitely be like the there. the bad car accident like thing where I'd just be like I can't look away. I'm trying to watch the play, but Tibbs is like just sticking. Yeah, I know I'd be watching. I'd be watching Tibbs the whole time. I guess that that, that I would not want to watch because I would not be watching the game. I'd just be like, let me see what Tibbs is doing. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to be able to capture for a gift today? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh man, it, it would be good though for desensitizing the U.S. to to nudity and, and sexual situations, or, yeah. or destigmatizing yeah. nudity as it pertains yeah, to sex, exactly. which is a big problem in this country. So yeah, we need that too. We'd we'd be like, wow, this is crazy for like two months, and then you get used to it, and then yeah. life would move on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, the U.S. could – maybe I'm maybe I'm on board with this idea now because the U.S. needs to needs to, uh, desti- needs to stigmatize guns and destigmatize nudity and, and – This is very European of you, Alex. Yeah. It's always been the case. It's no, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's, it, it stands out more with how many fucking gun-related deaths have been in the U.S. Yeah. in recent years and how much it's a lot of the times inspired by fucking weirdo dudes that are apparently very sexually repressed and everything yeah. too. <laughs> so yeah. they, just, they just really need to see more of naked tips. More naked tips would solve all of the U.S.'s problems, quite yeah. frankly. See, all you right. came on board in the end. I did. Uh, next and final question comes from Ronnie from Hell's Kitchen. It's really not a question so much as a request. More double dates, please. Uh, unfortunately, yes. we learned a valuable lesson from that. Yeah. Zach and I have to be in yeah, different context. I'm not against it. I don't think you're against it either. We just need to. It needs to be a different context. That's you guys need, just need some space from one another for a little bit. Is that what you're saying? No, literally not at all. It's just that it did. It was like very kind of awkward. It's awkward. We Not we, for we we learned our, if this ever happens again, I think we it would it would go better because we now know how to, we now know how it happened when we weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. That's also true. That's true. We went in blind. Yeah, and so you know, you know I'm not gonna say it won't happen. Right? Yeah, it seems like, very unlikely to ever happen again. I agree completely, but you never know. We we'll keep it in there, Ronnie. We'll see. The way it would have to happen would be. One of us is dating someone, and this right. person right. mentions that she has a friend. Correct. And then, like, yeah, Zach would would still be my the first person I would go to in that scenario. If Alex's mom <laughs> would return my calls, maybe we can get something together there. But uh, so far, that's not happening. That was the we'll most see. poorly executed. Yeah, that was really the reason I'm laughing is because of how horribly that went. <laughs> oh my god! You're right. That was what a note to end on. All right. <laughs> it's well, late. It's been two fucking hours. Oh, this podcast is going to be short. Fuck you. We okay. got into it, a nerdy discussion. Pretty, all right. We did it like would have been pretty short if, if we didn't answer that GBIC question so thoroughly. We, we got into, first off, an Office versus Parks and Rec discussion and then a Lord of the Rings themed discussion right after the finale ended where we all really want to talk about it. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. This has been Nick's Mail.Bag. Well, this crew will be back in two weeks. Uh, Drew will be back next week. And until such a time that we're back, thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.